guys, it's me, Blue. Welcome, welcome back to B and B Anime. <gasps> you did you? I don't know. Like you almost choked yourself up. So I don't know if you fully got it or not. I don't think I fully got it because I had to. I had to think before I just said it. Normally, I just speak and then it all goes wrong. But at least I got the words right. A minus. A minus. A for effort. <laughs> um, Good try. Yeah, but I am Blue, and I am here with uh, my lovely co-host, the mystical- Oh, yeah. The mystical Brad. Um, Uh, I am a mystery now. You are a mystery. Uh, Ooh, scary. (laughs) So mysterious. (laughs) Uh, And today we're going to be talking about Dr. Stone, um, an anime that Brad had recommended um, for us to cover. Um, and we're going to be getting into that in a little bit. But before we jump right into that, Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Life is absolutely peachy right peachy now. Peachy Yes, absolutely peachy. You have nothing to complain about. I have nothing but... to complain. How is yeah, the I mean, poison ivy? Um, Almost gone. That's good. It's still persisting on my legs, but I mean, that's... That's the least of my problems right now. Now I'm having to deal with pesky little bastards called mosquitoes. Ah, uh, funsies. Yeah, so I I get rid of one very annoying itch to have to deal with another. Love that. Love that very much. I got a mosquito bite on my eye the other day. Um, that was great fun. Uh, <laughs> I remember for one or two streams there, I had a, a real big swollen eye and I was like, hmm. Good job I have bangs. They can just uh, cover that right up because, yeah, uh, that's a an eye that's twice the size that it should be. <laughs> you and your anime hair just comes into play. Uh, oh, yeah. Gotta love anime hair. It's a perfect cover-up. <laughs> but, yeah, how are you? I'm doing all right, actually. Um, I have, I've made a new friend. Um, <laughs> there's a, um, a robin that has made a nest on our back deck. Um, so yeah, and I checked today and there's two little blue robin's eggs, um, in there and, and yeah, it's pretty cool to, to have that. It's like right close to the house as well. Like we're surprised by how close it is because we have this like, um, a wicker shelving unit. Um, it used to be mm-hmm. in my old apartment when I was doing my internship in, in the city. Um, but since then it's kind of become outdoor furniture since I moved back home and, um in in this shelving unit there's like a bunch of plant pots and you know we were growing herbs and stuff on there in the summer and one of them didn't grow i think it was oregano didn't grow (laughs) oregano no not gonna grow um (laughs) and uh and yeah and then we woke up one morning and there was a bird that was like rummaging around in the shelving unit and we're like okay that's kind of weird and um and then we came back a couple hours later and it's it made a nest there and we thought oh there's no way that this bird is going to stay here we have three dogs that are constantly going in and out the back door my dad sits out there all the time my mom sits out there all the time we quite often have dinner outside like we're outside quite a lot of the time but um yeah it's been like four days and the bird's still set up there and and yeah today i looked and there were two eggs in the nest so we have a bird friend y'all are just Y'all are just peaceful people. We're just, we're just peaceful people. I, I will admit, it made me feel a little bit like a Disney princess for a while there. I was like, I just need to start singing, and all of the birds are going to come, and it's going to be great. I'll have squirrels that'll clean my dishes. It'll be fantastic. I mean, at least your expectations are set high. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted a pet raven. Interesting. Yeah. I, well, they're so, so intelligent. And so if you, like, 
And they live for a long time. So if you befriend one when they're really young, they'll come back and they'll be like wild birds. But um, they'll come back and they'll they'll know you. They'll be able to recognize you and they'll hang out with you and like uh, and like and let you pet them and stuff. Like I've heard multiple stories of people that like found a raven on the ground or a crow on the ground or something that had broken its wing or I don't know gotten injured somehow and they took it in and raised it and then for the next like 30 years this bird would just occasionally come back to just check up on them bring them gifts you know oh well that's cool it's really really cool and I've always wanted that and I'm like I feel like I'm kind of getting a little piece of that with this robin friend um but yeah I've always always wanted like if I had a familiar I would want it to be um a raven, I think. I now feel the urge to bring you in for a D&D campaign of some sort. <laughs> I am the commander of the ravens. The commander of the ravens. What would you have if you could have a familiar? What would your familiar be? I'd want a wolf. Because mm. I feel like wolves would just be super cool. Wolves are great. I quite often see them up here. Um, when you go in, up into the mountains, you'll see, you'll see a few mountain wolves. I live in the wilderness. Sometimes I say things and I'm like, I understand how how bizarre that sounds i feel like i need to move to canada i feel like canada is where i need to be if i if i intend on having my wolf companion if you want a wolf uh, the neighbors next door have a husky wolf cross um and i bet that's beautiful it's beautiful but he howls he is noisy um but yeah he's great he's so intelligent um and he's a jumper like he could jump a 10-foot fence easy um yeah they're they're very 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 intelligent i actually babysat a, uh, I think it was a Siberian husky cross. Um, hmm. and, uh, she was lovely, but she used to go to this doggy daycare that couldn't handle her, um, because they were used to like taking care of, like, the biggest dog they took care of was maybe like a, I don't know, like a, like what we have, like a golden retriever, you know, very smart dogs, but like not as crazy on the energy front as a working dog. Um, and, uh, they used to have to put, uh, like a, a backpack on her and put weights in it to stop her from jumping over the fences because she could easily jump a 10 foot fence. And so one day I was dog sitting here and I must've been like 14, 15 at the time. She came over to the house and I let her out in the back garden, not thinking anything of it. And, uh, we have tall fences here. Um, and yeah, probably eight foot, I think, eight foot fence. I don't know. I didn't know that she could jump the 10 foot fences at her, at her daycare though. Um, but yeah, and then all of a sudden I look out the back garden and she's just gone. And I'm like, this dog isn't, like it's the first time she's been around the house. She like doesn't know where I am and she's escaped. And I'm like, oh my God, I've lost the dog that I was supposed to be dog sitting. What the heck do I do? So I call my parents and I'm like, I lost the dog. She's escaped. What do I do? And they're like, we'll, we'll end. I think it was like a work event and it was my mom's co-worker and it was my mom's co-worker's work event. So my mom was there too with my dad. So it was just me looking after the dog. And so my mom obviously tells her co-worker and the two of them are like, okay, well, we'll come back immediately and, and start looking for her. And then I'm on the phone with them. And then I hear like a scratch at the door, the front door. This is, she escaped from the back garden. And I open the door and there she is just sitting on the front porch, just like I went for a walk and I'm back now. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> they're so smart that she was just like, yeah, I left a trail and now I'm here. I couldn't get in around the back. So I decided to come to the front door. I'm like, dog, you are so smart. Like that's, yeah. you scared the pants off me, but that was very, very smart. Oh yeah. Huskies are incredibly intelligent, but also 
escape artists. Like, oh, yeah. they are naturally known as escape artists. I always mm-hmm. thought about getting one, but I'm like, mm, nah, because can't trust them. Can't trust them as far as I can eat them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my best friend has a husky um, named Kimmy, who is about, I don't know if she's, uh, probably a year and a half now, I think. Hmm. A year and a half. Um, and yeah, she's gorgeous, but I'm always getting these picture updates of her just being obnoxious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they live in a, uh, or up until recently, they lived in an ice fishing village um, mm-hmm. in in Newfoundland. Um, and so she would just kind of like, like the snow would pile up so much that she, like that the fences didn't exist. The fences were completely buried. Um, mm-hmm. And so she would just kind of like walk around in the snow and she was like a free range dog for a, a good chunk of her, her life to begin with. Because she's just, I mean, there was nowhere she could go. You had to get to the town by helicopter during the winter anyways, so. Well, be easy to find. Just follow the trail. <laughs> just just follow the husky trail. Yeah. No, but she always came back. Um, And mm. now they live in like a big city and I think it's quite an adjustment. But yeah. Oh yeah, I'd say that'd be, that would be a real adjustment without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, huskies. They're so cute. They are. They're absolutely adorable. They have like, they have like some of the most beautiful eyes. Mm-hmm. Would you want a blue-eyed or a brown-eyed husky? Uh, honestly, like I would want the cross because I oh, think yeah? the yeah, yeah, yeah. like separate colored eyes and huskies. I think is probably my favorite. Yeah, the heterochromia. Um, yeah, because like I I have three dogs and all of them have brown eyes. Um, but like my dad and I both have gray eyes, and then my brother and my mom both have brown eyes. So mm-hmm. for a while, it was like we were even with the blue eye brown eye front. Um, but uh, yeah, the the dogs have, have us thoroughly outnumbered, so I would like to have a blue-eyed dog um, to a bit. <laughs> Even it Even all back, all back out. out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but they, they are, um, they're so, like, that's the one thing with working dogs. It's like, even with, with Tilly being a golden, you know, we're always having to do mental activities for her, order special toys online, because, like, the toys that you use to try and like drain them mentally you can't buy in just like regular toy stores because okay this is one thing that bugs me and other dog owners i feel like you're gonna you're gonna feel me on this okay because they always say this toy is indestructible long-lasting dog toy on the packaging right you give those long-lasting dog toys like the 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 dogs they have on the packages are like pit bulls and like other really like known for their strength dogs um and you give that to my pint size golden retriever and in half an hour it's destroyed like these they you're gonna find this out when once you get your golden doodle um uh you'll you'll figure it out that they say long lasting dog toys they are not long lasting i promise you and they cost they're so expensive like a a 30 dollar dog toy for a half hour like no no i'm not paying that that's that's ridiculous um yeah like it they they just don't last that long and so we've been trying to like do things to tire her out mentally. Because even if you tire a dog out physically, but you don't tire the dog out mentally, they're going to rebuild that energy really quickly. If you tire them out physically and mentally, then you get a break for five minutes. So, um, mm-hmm. you got to hit both. Gotta hit both. So we've been trying to come up with like toys and, and activities and stuff. Cause our older two, they don't do anything. You know, we have another golden retriever, but she sleeps on the couch all day. And Leo, our Bichon is, is, 17 in a couple months so he literally does nothing 
Um, so it's all Tilly that we have to work with. And um, so we do things like training all the time, constantly teaching her new tricks. Um, and then also things like um, uh, hiding peanut butter treats or something in um, things that she has to like maneuver to get them out. Like she has to put her paw on to try and release them or she has to, you know, um, roll it in a specific direction, like things like that that are a lot more tricky. Those kinds of things tire out, mm-hmm. but you can't buy toys like that from just like PetSmart. You have to order those kinds of things online or make them yourself. And so we've like, we've been trying to brainstorm mm-hmm. ideas to tire her out because now it's summer as well. She is way, I mean, she had energy over the winter, but during the summer, she has so much more energy. And, uh, and yeah, and because of quarantine and everything, she's kind of been stuck inside a lot recently. So she's been going crazy, but yeah. Just got to get it all out. Got to get it all out. Yes. So random thing to talk about, but mm-hmm. we are meme masters now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know, didn't know if we were going to pop this up on the podcast or not. I, I thought yeah. it'd be funny to talk about it just because, like, yeah. yeah. So if you check out our Instagram at BNB Anime, we're going to be posting a shit ton of memes because I accidentally became... <laughs> I accidentally went viral. <laughs> yeah, it went semi-viral. Yeah, like, completely um... on accident. I don't know what I did. All I know is for two days straight, mine and Blue's phone did not stop going off. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we have a pretty quiet Instagram page. I mean, we're not the the best at posting regularly on it up until this point, but we're really gonna try and like hit it at like posting more. Um, and. Uh, if you scroll through our Instagram feed, you'll see like you know, a, okay. I don't know. I don't know if you can actually look at likes. Oh uh, well, you still see that like over this amount, right? Um, or this person ha- and this person has followed, has liked this picture or something. And then like if you get to a certain point, then it says over. But like we've got like an okay number of likes on our posts, considering how many followers we have on there and that kind of stuff. And then you get to this one post where it's just like it's a um. Bunny Girl Senpai uh, post, and it's just like um, uh, the sister crying, and then Bunny Girl Senpai hugging her, but they're in each other's bodies, um, and it's just like you anime, and it's just a really wholesome meme, um, and yeah, that's what Brad posted, and it uh, ended up going pretty decently viral, um, and so yeah, we've decided that memes are kind of our forte or at least we're trying to make them our forte <laughs> they're, they're accidentally know. our forte now granted i will admit some uh, some of the shit that we've come up with is gold i oh god the, that the are you lost one broke me to honestly, no end like i died whenever i sent that to you i thought like this is the greatest thing i've ever personally made it's really really funny so i've actually taken um from watching dr stone um i've been watching it on my on my laptop mm-hmm. and whenever i come across a face or something that i'm like okay this is hilarious i've been taking screenshots of them and now i'm gonna be like sending brad screenshots of the animes that we're watching to just be like make anime memes with these screenshots <laughs> um so yeah be prepared brad because you're gonna have some coming your way uh, it's like i don't do enough work as it is <laughs> It's only fair because I made the spreadsheet, so 
I mean, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Oh, so on that note, let's talk about it. Blue and I have decided to get organized. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing some organization. Um, so basically, because my Japan trip is coming up pretty quick now, um, we are trying to backlog some episodes for while I'm in Japan and a little bit after I'm in Japan to give me some time to to come back from that jet lag. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've been trying to backlog some episodes. So we've been planning out what we're going to do. And so yeah, I made a spreadsheet for us. And before we started recording today, we went through and added in a bunch of different animes and we're getting ourselves all organized. So yeah, hopefully less of um, surprise editing Brad will be popping up. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, we can get some some good schedules worked out here. Um, we know all the times that we're recording, um, who's going to be editing, what we're editing, what we're watching, and we're pretty much completely planned all the way through August now. So that's super exciting. Um, yeah, we've got some fun plans. So in June, we're going to be dropping a couple, um, uh, we're going to be dropping one Pride Month, um, anime, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and, uh, it was rated pretty highly and I've actually seen it before. Um, and then in July, which is going to be having some some random fun times. And then in August, we are going to be doing music month where we're going to be covering a bunch of different music animes um, for, for that, which is pretty exciting as well. Yeah, I'd kind of thrown up the suggestion of doing like music based August because mm-hmm. like that's honestly the genre is is music technically a genre? I mean, I think they're basically slice of life. But anyway, like... I feel like it's a genre. It's, a subgenre. Yeah. And that's kind of what Blue and I bonded over with Kids on a Slope and Your Lie in April. So I was like, you know, yeah. we just need a month dedicated to music anime. Yeah. It's like, why um, not? Actually, that brings me to an idea. If you guys have any uh, suggestions for like a month's theme as to what kind of animes we should cover in a month or what genre, like, should we do a sports month? Because I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm down for that or anything, but like, <coughs> I'm down for that. Um, <laughs> we could do uh, October. We could do like a spooky month and cover like a bunch of horror. Um, Honestly, I was going to suggest that anyway, because that sounds like right up the alley of anime that I've been suggesting anyway. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's like, yeah, that's that's exciting. Let's. So if you guys have any um, animes that you want to suggest us or um, anime themes that you want to suggest for us to cover um, or any like bits of cool, interesting news as well, um, like, uh, yeah, anything like cool facts or topics or things that you want us to cover on the podcast – Feel free to hit us up in those DMs on either Instagram or Twitter um, or in uh, our YouTube comments or um, on the community tab on our YouTube page. Yeah, or email us. Y'all have our oh, email yeah, address, bnbanime at gmail.com. Y'all have that all too. that stuff. You have all the stuff. You can, you can hit us up anywhere. Just like whack us around the head with all those notes and comments and stuff. Like we're cool with that. Anyways, um, <laughs> we, I guess we were to jump right into the news. Speaking of news, look at that smooth transition. That was not smooth at all, but I'm going to pretend it was smooth. So just follow me. Um, F, F minus. F, <laughs> F, mi- F minus. Is that a thing? Um, I'm fairly certain if you make all zeros, F minus is a thing. See, because this is one thing that confused me, because neither British grading systems or the Canadian grading system that I worked on go by letters. So American school systems always 
You see, we go by letters, but our letters are based entirely off of numbers, but also our grade school through high school versus college grade number systems are different. Mm, I think college in the UK is also different because I remember people saying like, oh, I got an A star and stuff. So, but like, it's not like A plus, like it is different. So I don't know. But in Canada, you always just go by percentages. Mm. Well, I mean, like, ours are based, like I said, they're based solely off numbers, but your numbers also reflect your letter grade. Like, going through the entirety of school, 100 through a 93 was an A, 92 through an 85 was a B, 84 through 75 was a C, mm. 74 through 70 was a D, and then anything below that means you failed because you're dumb. Because you're dumb. Yeah, no. Although, like, I think... The college way of doing it, like, you had a lot more room for error mm. because it was 10 point per letters. Um, oh, yeah. So it's like 10 point per letters from A through D. And then I think F was like 59 and below mm. to where, like, I think that's a little bit more fair and also makes a little bit more sense because, like, high school grades very much, like, determine the college you get in. Mm. It's not even, like, necessarily the SAT or the ACT, like, your overall GPA is looked at. Yeah, okay, and your so, GPA is based off of letters. So what is an SAT? So it's a standardized test, essentially, mm. that is based off of, and it's not an actual like score out of 100%, mm-hmm. and the ACT is the same. Your score is based off the number of questions you get right. Oh, okay. Not based off of the like overall thing. like, And especially with the SAT. I think you get 500 points just for putting your name on it and spelling your name correctly. Okay. Because that's a legitimate thing that people will get wrong. I <laughs> I don't understand. However, they made that a thing just because people refused to get their shit right. Right. Okay, because that's interesting. Because in Canada, I'm not actually sure about the way that it works in the UK. Because obviously I was 10 when we immigrated, so didn't really pay attention to college. Um, <laughs> uh I know that it they just take your great your GPA and that's how you get into college here. So cuz like um yeah it's it's based on a college is based on a credit system um same as university um and yeah and then they just take your GPA from your credits because like we'll have um I think it's the same thing in America you you have different like um levels of classes depending on whether or not you want to take um chemistry one or chemistry two and if you're taking chemistry Mm -hmm. one then it's like the harder version of chemistry two right yeah yeah um and so in canada it works the same way and then uh it's just like your grade that you get from your classes and then which classes you take and then the amount of credits that you get from those determine which college you go to but you don't take like i mean you have your final exam but your final exam only reflects your overall score they don't look at the results of your final exam it's just that your final exam is 40 percent of your grade so then mm-hmm. actually i think they changed it from 40 percent to 30 percent but that was like the year that i was supposed to graduate and because i didn't graduate i wouldn't know <laughs> um yeah uh so yeah i think i think when my brother graduated it was 40 percent of the final grade was determined by your final exam. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember much about school because it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it's been six years since I left. It's been uh, six years since I graduated. No, seven years since I've graduated. You got me Man, beat. I feel old. You got me beat. You have more education than I do, so I that do. means that you should understand <laughs> the concepts of Doctor Stone more than I do. Yeah, except science was never my subject. I have never Pam. taken and I've never completed 
an individual science course. I've only ever taken science as opposed to chemistry, biology, physics. You see, chemistry was my best science subject because it's more math-based. Mm. I was always good at math. So chemistry was right up my alley because math was always the subject I was best at, whereas history was always my mm. favorite subject. I never took chemistry or physics. I took half of a biology course. All I'm saying is, is that between watching this and sales at work, I feel like I could go back to college and ace any science test I decide <laughs> to take. Anatomy and physiology? Fuck it. Nitric acid is how you turn petrified humans back into human again if so long as you combine it with alcohol at a 70 to 30% ratio. Yappa! Learned so much from this show. So much from the show that doesn't apply to anything. Except some of this does apply, but also it doesn't apply because I'm not going to ever use it. But, you know. um, Yeah, like, we're never going to have to worry about using almost to all of this. And also, some of it, if you read the title card at the end, it does say that it is extremely dangerous and in some things illegal because they do... Gun make powder. like nitric acid, hydrochloric acid, gunpowder, yeah. all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, straight up, they make jokes about this is what they what the yakuza uses to melt bodies. This is what like that's they're making jokes like <laughs> that throughout this whole show. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of chemistry in this show. I think. Oh, okay. So I have a question before we jump into the news. Even though I already did the smooth transition for the news, and I'm going to have to figure out another way to do another one uh, because then we went on a tangent. <laughs> um, if you were suddenly thrust back into the Stone Age, um, and you had all of your necessities all kind of figured out, so you had your food, shelter, um, and water all like sorted, what would be the first kind of luxury item that you would make you know because you brought this up on stream last night and then i <laughs> fell asleep so i didn't <laughs> i didn't necessarily take time to think about this and then i forgot however like i think mm, i feel like a comfortable bed of some sort would probably be like the first like practical luxury item mm-hmm. i would come up with that or like a katana because i've always wanted to own a katana and also that would be just an extremely useful tool mm-hmm. to have so yeah it'd be one of those two because i'm definitely not smart enough to make other luxury items and shit <laughs> i i would probably go for a bow because archery is my most experienced kind of hunting style i guess um because uh, mm. like i'm not familiar i mean i can make a basic snare trap so like i could set up some some traps around but they aren't as reliable i feel like i could sit in a tree and shoot some squirrels uh because i i do have experience with archery but i don't have any kind of experience with anything else i mean a hatchet would be super useful but i don't know if that counts as like basic necessities you know i mean i don't know because i also went towards like the hunting side of things with a katana but also as like protection Mm. as well so i don't know like tis a tis a thought However, here's oh, also yeah. a thought. Potential podcast venture idea mm-hmm. at some point. We should take a survival class. I'm down. Because I feel like that would be legit. That would be <laughs> so much fun. I want to- Check in on us a year from now for Dr. Stone continued. Right? I know, Dr. Stone season two. Because they did confirm a season two. The very last panel, of the very last episode of this series had season two confirmed. So we do know that there is going to be a season two for this. Oh, yeah. And where it left off left me extremely excited for what's to come. And so and the fact that it got announced in the very last episode, which with this being the pilot season for series, like typically you'd hear about something later. But that just shows like how popular 
this show was to get it confirmed right off the bat after the end of the first season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm excited. Me, me too. Oh, one thing I will also mention before we jump into the news um, is that we are going to be breaking this one up into two episodes, as you can probably tell by the title by the title, I can speak, of this podcast. We are going to be breaking this up into two episodes because there is 24 episodes um, of this um, anime and there is also a behind-the-scenes uh, extra special bonus episode that we did watch. Um, and with that and the amount of packed information and content that that's going on throughout this show, we figured it'd be best to split it up. So yeah, this is going to be a two-parter um, and we're going to be covering the first 12 episodes in today's uh, podcast and then in the next podcast we're going to be covering the last 12 and also that extra special behind the scenes bonus episode so you can, if you're interested in hearing us talk about those uh that the bts part we will be covering it it just will be in the next podcast episode because i know some of you guys are gonna have already seen the show and are probably gonna want to hear us talking about the behind the scenes so we will do that um it'll just not be in this one it'll be in the next one anyway that leads us to the news. Over to you, Brad, in the studio. Yes. So, <laughs> news. So, Amazon has decided to pick up and make a live-action adaptation of The Promised Neverland. Oh, okay. Um, Live-action. I don't know if we've discussed this, but have you seen The Promised Neverland? I haven't. It's on my to-watch list. I will highly... I... <laughs> I realize I say this a lot, especially like talking about it through the news and whatnot. However, I have never seen a show do emotion as well as this. Oh God, is it going to make me cry? No, 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 I don't think I cried. Okay. At any point in this. I cry at commercials, so my level of cry is very low. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've seen what we've cried over in our suggestions of shows. <laughs> so I know where we both sit as far as being crybabies on yeah. this we are we are both big crybabies like we'll just fully admit that oh so i'm gonna ask this now because i'm gonna forget later did you have a cry count at any point in this show in this show no did you i came really close we'll talk it, about it okay. in episode two I'm, oh okay okay so it's right off the bat actually another like there's a point in we'll talk about it in this episode to where i almost cried as well but I think the part in the whenever we cover the second half that I think you might understand where it was at. I yeah, I got really emotional in the second half as well, but I didn't cry. And then in the first, there yeah, there are probably two parts. The only reason why I don't think I would have shed a tear in the first section is because the situation revolves around the main character and that kind of solidifies that it's only going to go in one direction. You see, the thing that hit me is something that like hit very close to home with me in the mm. first part that almost made me cry, but there was nothing in the show that actually did. But both no. the point in this one and then the one in the second half are both like mean a lot to me. And so I guess the overall thought of it is what kind of just hit me hard. Mm. Yeah. But I feel like I'm going to cry in season two, though. Like I... I We'll discuss it like in the <laughs> second episode because I also want to discuss theories with where the show's going to go. Yeah, because I have I'm not one gonna lie, theory. I, I fully I, intend on reading the manga before season yeah, me two too. comes out. Me too. I have one theory about a pink haired girl and uh, about the only pink haired girl, and I want to know your thoughts on that theory. But, anyways, we are getting way ahead of ourselves. 
Yes. So anyway, the promise Neverland, the way that it animates emotion and most specifically, and here's what I will suggest to you as homework, because I will make you a deal. Okay. I will watch the first episode of Major between this episode and our next recording session. If you'll watch the first episode of the promise Neverland. Okay. And here's the reason I say this, the look of pure terror that they animate at the end of the first episode. I, and this is the reason I say this, I have never seen emotion animated so well. And like, it's terrifyingly beautiful in a sense. Okay. Because they capture just pure terror in just like the most amazing way I've ever seen. I'm excited. I think you might need a cry counter for the first episode of Major. Mm, you know, bring it on. I, I feel like you just decided to poke the bear. I, uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain it all happens within the first episode, but it may happen within the first two episodes. But I'm pretty sure it all happens within the first, just the first episode. But, um, yeah, I cried. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. So, but yeah. So with, with this live action adaptation, here's here's my line of thinking on why I'm intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. So the guy who's directing it is the same one who directed the Into the Spider-Verse film. Okay. Which, although it was an animated film, I've heard that it was, like, actually amazing. Okay. Like, it was very highly reviewed by everyone I know. Right. And so the fact that he's the one directing it and the lady who did the script is also the one who's writing the pilot episode. Okay. And here's the thing. It's not a film. It's a series. Right. So they might be following the show with this. Yeah. So I'm I'm very much intrigued. Yeah. But live, live action stuff doesn't exactly have the best reputation. Speaking of which, wasn't there a live action thing that we were supposed to watch that never we never actually did um a while ago? Kids on Slope, I think is the one live action adaptation we were gonna watch. I think so. Um which we are actually planning on covering. Um coming up within the the next couple months here because uh, Kids on the Slope is a music-themed anime. And so, yeah, probably going to be covering that over in August. So when we cover that, uh, I guess we ought to watch the live-action movie and uh, see if we cry. See, I feel like if we're going to do that, we need to watch the live-action of Your Line April as well. Mm. (laughs) 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 You're just trying to make me emotionally drained, aren't you? Here's the thing, though. It's live action. It has to be shit. But what if it's not, though? I mean, I'm still going to cry. Like, even if it's really bad. Like, <laughs> Okay, you know what? You're right. Especially with your line April. Like, Cowdy, I can't. I'll still cry. I'll, I'll cry when a puppy looks at me funny. Like, I nearly cried the other day because I accidentally trod on Tilly's tail, even though she was fine. But I felt so guilty, I nearly cried. Poor Bean. I know. I'm so, so horrible. Poor Bean. I felt so sad. I was like, oh no. But like, okay, this is, you. when you get your pup, you'll realize they get under your feet. And especially if you have a dog like Tilly that is a freaking ninja like she is so quiet and just sneaks up behind you and you never know that she's there i've never had a dog this quiet like honestly she is silent and um she she will come up and sneak up to be right behind you and then you'll go to turn around and you end up tripping over them all the time dogs get under your feet and since i'm giant too i feel like it's gonna be even worse for me it's when especially they with a pup yeah when when they squeak when you do it and they squeak and then you, oh my god, it breaks your heart. It's it's the worst. Any dog owner, any cat owner, any animal that roams free owner 
will know this. The 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 squeak that they make when you accidentally like tread on them, or if you're like brushing their fur and you like get it caught in a tangle or something, or um, even if they just injure themselves. Oh my god, it's it's the most heartbreaking noise you will ever hear. And they're fine, like immediately after. They're like a toddler, you know, unless it's like something bad. But that that's fortunately never happened to uh, us or our dogs. Touch wood. Um, but uh, they. Yeah, they're fine right after the like toddlers, you know, where it's like ah scary, and then like three seconds later they're they're normal. Um, but that feeling will last for days with you, but for like two seconds with the dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's horrible. It's the worst. I don't doubt that at all. And then, okay, are you ready for the first bit of good news? Good news. Let's hear it. Sao Part Two finally has its release date again. Ah, okay, you're excited about this. I I am excited for everything that got pushed back. Spring was supposed to be our time as mm-hmm. anime fans, and then mm-hmm. the pandemic decided to get in the way. Yeah. So, SAO War of the Underworld Part 2 is set for July 11th. That's exciting. I am beyond excited for this. I have been... You, you don't have any time in July, though. July is booked for you, dude. You see, that's where you're wrong. I will have all these episodes done well in advance. (laughs) I will make time. There's always time for anime. Just like we technically don't have time for you and I to sit down and watch other stuff outside of what we're covering. And yet we both gave each other homework. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. And the bad part is for you, you're going to get hooked on The Promised Neverland and you'll have to finish it. I hope you get hooked on Major because there's hundreds of episodes i'm not gonna have time <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to give a year-end review at the end of the year maybe yeah i think there's like seven seasons and then there's his kid and there's two seasons of his kid but the second season of his kid got postponed this spring oh yeah that's right i seem to remember covering this yeah major two season two <laughs> major two season two too many numbers i think it was on the second episode as well that it got postponed and like that's why i feel bad telling people about sword art because it's like it's not even broken into seasons it's like sao sao2 sao3 then sao3 war of the underworld which is technically sao4 uh there's so much it's like when anybody tries to explain the star wars trilogies to me and i'm just like i don't i don't understand i do not comprehend what (laughs) yeah no especially with you that's not happening i know right yeah because i have i have this weird thing with star wars i'm gonna i'm probably gonna anger some people that are listening but um uh i refuse to watch star wars just to say that i haven't watched star wars which i mean i guess is okay because if you go into it with the notion that you're gonna hate it more than likely you're going to hate it well that's the thing is that i know i'm gonna tear it to shreds because i it's just it's not my interest and then on top of that Everyone has been pushing me to watch it so much for so many years, like my whole life. Everyone's been like, oh, you should watch Star Wars. You should watch Star Wars. That it's kind of put this really bad taste in my mouth for it. It's not like somebody being like, oh, you know, you should watch it. I think you'd enjoy it. And then they leave it alone. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe I will watch it then. It's like people like pestering you about it. You should watch it. You should watch it. You should watch it. You should watch it. And then you just get so aggravated by the fact that they're pestering you that you're like, I'm going to bite my nose off to spite my face. And I refuse to watch it. And that's the Mm. point that I'm at now. So if everyone like leaves me alone, maybe in like 50 years, I'll watch it. And I'll be like, why did I not watch it when I was 20? And I'm going to be like, well, because I'm stubborn. (laughs) Brad's recently found out just how stubborn I am. 
Yeah, here's the thing. I always thought I was the most stubborn person that I know. Nah, like, Blue is so much more stubborn than me. <laughs> because, again, okay, here's the thing. We're going to cover Gun Frontier. Yeah, we have it scheduled. I refuse to finish the show. Yeah. That was the... I've talked about it two episodes in a row, but I don't give a shit. That is the biggest pile of garbage I have ever seen in my entire life. I would rather watch Dive over and over and over again. Oh, speaking of which, Brad increases Dive's rating. Yeah, Dive can raise... Fuck. I just sent shit flying. Anyway. So, I will watch Dive 10, 15, 20 times over before I will finish this fucking anime. (laughs) <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I got legitimately angry watching it, and it takes a lot for me to get, like, my blood boiling, and it it's so bad. It's it's funny, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with me, but, um, towards, but, uh, like, after when you dropped off, but I'm not sure if it's gotten better, or if I'm just delirious. <laughs> it might be delirium, and it also might be... Like post Totoro happiness getting to you because you tried to watch some more yeah. after you. But like, <laughs> I I think Totoro. there's something rather charming about it, and I think that is why people really really love the director. And I'm very curious about his other works that people rank really really highly because people rated Gun Frontier pretty high, and I I kind of get it a little bit, and I want to explore it more and figure it out because it it is it's got this element of something interesting about it and i need to explore more and it's piqued my interest and it could just be delirium uh because of it being genuinely terrible because for a while there i was very lost and i kept watching the episodes despite the fact that i didn't really know what was going on with the overall story even though it's a fairly simple story but because of the way that it's broken down it seemed like they would never you know like um, so, okay, so you're trying to climb to the top of a mountain, and you get to a ledge, and you think, oh, this is the top of the mountain, we'll have our final scene here, and then they complete the final scene, and then, oh no, just kidding, we're actually still at the bottom of the mountain, we have to go a lot far further to get there. It was one of those kinds of things where, I'm not gonna get too too into it, because obviously we're gonna do an episode covering it, but I kept thinking that they were like, oh, this is the bad guy that they're gonna defeat, and then it wasn't. They were just still trying to find information on the bad guy that they were trying to defeat. And it wasn't very clear. And I'm not sure if that's just because I wasn't paying attention. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it now, though, after finishing it, that is like, it's it's odd. This I, I'm intrigued. I think uh, they, I, I don't know. I, I want to do more. I, I kind of have a little bit of a liking towards it. And I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I feel like you've like developed some sort of Stockholm syndrome for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it could be. Here's the thing: like I watched the first episode, and honestly, I laughed a lot. Like I I was like, okay, this is so shit. It's hilarious, but it kept getting worse. Like, there's shit to the point of hilarity, and then there's shit to the point of shit. <laughs> and that's what it became to me. Yeah, no, I don't know if it's if it's just like a... I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to explore it more. I'm going to probably watch some things from the same director, some other things from the same director. And then when we cover Gun Frontier, um, 
yeah, I, I will allow you to rant as much as you please. And hopefully by then I will have expanded on my ideas um, about the overall theme and maybe I'll watch it through again. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I, I feel like I'll also watch something from the other director because I've heard the other stuff that he makes is actually good. Yeah, well, it follows the same same kind of characters. So, uh, and the supporting character is far more interesting in Gun Frontier than the main character, and his other stuff follows the supporting character as the main character. But anyway, we're not here to discuss Gun Frontier. We're nope, here to discuss Doctor Stone. Yes. So, more news, and it's also related to last week's topic. So, Demon Slayer's OP, Gringe, has officially been ranked as the third most downloaded song in the history of Oricon's single, or like, digital single ranking. Right, okay. So, third of all time. So, I'm just wrong, then, when it comes to my opinion on that. Again, I said this last week, there are people who are right, and then there's you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's, like... I could work out to that song. I could do anything to that song. Like, it's such a good fucking song. I mean, I thought it was decent, but I don't know. It didn't... I I, I don't know. Just wrong. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I'm just wrong. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if I'm not mistaken, because I found this, like, right after the fact... Yeah, so it's become the top-selling anime song for the first half of 2020 as well. Wow, okay. So that's that's legit. That is. <laughs> but, oh, it's great. If you haven't checked out the OP to Demon Slayer, go listen to it. Now, don't don't listen to Banana over there. She, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Demon Slayer OP, second best OP of all time. Sits right behind... Tokyo Ghouls. Really? OP okay. For me. Okay. Did you ever check out the OP for Tokyo Ghoul that I sent you? Uh, yes, I did. Did you enjoy that? I did. Uh, I yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it. I feel like you're just agreeing to get me to move on. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I just think I have a very strange music taste, especially when it comes to modern music. Um, like a bunch of modern music that people are obsessed over, it just isn't my thing. Um, so I feel like it, they, they both kind of just fit in that kind of genre for me as, of them, if it just not being what I'm used to. And because I'm not used to it, because I don't listen to it on a regular basis, it's kind of foreign. And you know how foreign music is like, you can enjoy it, but it's not like your go-to. I feel mm-hmm. like they kind of fit in that category for me. Even though it's very much my go-to, like I primarily listen to J-pop and country music. <laughs> Mm, Which are two completely vastly different ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. Like, my my predominant, like, I'll listen to jazz anywhere from, like, the, like, early 1900s to, like, the 60s, I guess. And then 70s and 80s classic rock. And then modern indie music is kind of what I listen to most of the time. And then classical music. I listen to a lot of classical music. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of a weird one. I don't listen to a lot of super modern music. And if I do listen to modern music, it tends to be pretty indie. Um, and you see, like, I listen to a lot of classical and jazz as well. And really, Kids on the Slope was what got me interested in jazz. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm still mad at you over that. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that until we cover it on the show. <laughs> but I'm I still have hatred in my heart for you over that show. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it, it's it was- such a phenomenal show. But it's 
oh, it still makes me angry. Like, I don't know whether I need to be upset or angry after watching it. I love it's it, but I hate it. It's fair revenge for Your Lie in April, okay? Yes, but you loved Your Lie in April. I have a love-hate relationship with <laughs> Kids on a Slope. Yeah, but every time I watch Your Lie in April, I need, like, two months to recover emotionally. Yeah, but it's worth <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, God, jeez. Oh. Also, so this episode will be dropping on the 14th, right? Uh, yeah. So, I I hate to, like, sit here and straight up plug my streams on podcast. However, (laughs) so, The Last of Us is dropping at midnight on June 19th. Mm -hmm. I will be streaming this game from start to finish for 30 hours straight. I have never streamed longer than six to eight hours, I think. Yeah. It's going to be a 30-hour stream from start to finish. So you're going to need some support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Not only that, I'm going to need a lot of caffeine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Start stocking uh, up now. Go to Costco, my dude. I'm going to, like, get a cooler and just chuck it full of energy just drinks. I'm going it. to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I will... I'm so excited. So. I know. You've been, you've been waiting on this for a long time. I've been waiting on this for when did the first game come out? Twenty thirteen, I think. Like that. And this was announced in twenty sixteen, I think. Then the second game, maybe. I think it was announced around twenty sixteen. But I know that you've been waiting for, like, you ordered it forever ago. Yeah, I pre-ordered two copies of the collector's edition because that statue is gorgeous and I need it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, June fourteenth of twenty thirteen. So by the time this game drops. I will have waited seven years for this game to come out. Yeah. And so it, whenever it drops at midnight on June 19th, I will be streaming it from start to finish. So for the 30 hours it's going to take me, <laughs> I will be streaming. Well, so, best of luck to you, mate. Arigato gozaimasu. <laughs> <laughs> and then, did I talk about weathering with you last no, week? No, I don't think... No, I don't think you did. Oh, okay, maybe. so... Weathering With You is certified gold. In its first week on the market, it was ranked number one in overall sales and sold over 109,000 units. So its first week in Japan, it's certified gold. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm like, that's legit. (laughs) We need to put that in the schedule. Oh, we do, because we're booked out to September. So yeah, Yeah. that's actually, yeah, we can put it at like the 1st of September, I guess, because it releases digitally, I think like August 4th or 7th or something like that. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you would watch it digitally. So, and I'll own a physical and a digital copy. So we can cover it at the start of September whenever you want. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Sounds good. Anyway, look forward to that. Yeah. (laughs) In September. And then, yeah, that covers all the news that I got. Yeah. Uh, well, in that case, I guess uh, we ought to go into the background of Dr. Stone. Like I said before, it is 24 episodes and we will be covering the first 12 today. So, Brad, what kind of uh, background news have on uh, Dr. Stone? So, Dr. Stone was initially a manga. It has run from March 6th of 2017 until present for a total volumes of 15 at present. Which I think to date there is 153 chapters that have at least been right. translated to English. So there's an. I know we said we were going to discuss this with the next episode, but it kind of fits with the background episode. So watching the behind the scenes episode of it, 
Like, they follow the manga strict. I'm assuming with there being 24 episodes, if it's anything like My Hero and Demon Slayer, it was about two chapters an episode, which for anime is, like, really weird because I know for a lot of shows, it'll be like three to four chapters an episode. There's so much to cover. There is. There is a lot. And with them following it strictly, like, there's... Mm -hmm. It's mm-hmm. even more to cover. So, yeah, with what's out at present, they have at least three seasons worth. So two more seasons worth at bare minimum for them to cover. And that's just what's translated. Yeah, I am so excited for season two. And I'm hoping that we're going to be getting it for this winter anime release. Um, I figured on it being like winter 2021. Right. So. Yeah. Like, that's Um, when I I figured, but honestly, it might be spring 2021. I just want it right now, like tomorrow. Like, I fully intend on reading through the manga. Yeah, me too. Because I need it. I actually want to collect the manga. Um, I, like, it's very rare for me to collect physical copies of manga. I'm quite particular about what I have in my collection. And this one has intrigued me so much that I, I don't just want to read it. I want to have the the books and have them in my collection because yeah genuinely this is i i haven't i haven't ever watched anything that is like this there's things that are like it but like this is so unique in the way that it's done and yeah i i want to collect them i actually want to have them (laughs) so aren't you glad that i picked this i am really glad you picked this i i very much enjoyed it like i literally played this to you because i know you to the point where it's just like you know I legitimately think that Blue will enjoy this, and also it will give us something to cover on the podcast. Yeah. And also, here's the thing about this show. I have got non-anime fans hooked on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I actually, I want to send it to my cousin. I have a cousin who, I've mentioned her a few times on the podcast just because of the fact that she's half Japanese. Um, but she is actually a doctor in biology. Um and I would be very interested to have her watch this anime and hear her opinions on it as a doctor of science. Um, and yeah, someone who can watch it kind of, you know, in the native language. You know, I, I think it would intrigue her just from being Japanese. Like, I know that she is very into her culture. But then also from a science doctor perspective, I would be very interested to know what she thinks about this because she obviously works... I mean, a lot of this is chemistry, but there is also, like, there is biology in here as well. It does cover physics, biology, chemistry, mainly chemistry, but, like, other things as well. And I'd be interested to have her watch this and and uh, see what she thinks. There's also, like, engineering and other stuff in it. Like, it's mm-hmm. such a smart show. Yeah. And it's smart in different ways than Bunny Girl Senpai. But at the same time, like, I constantly felt myself, like, being challenged watching this in a sense. But it made me legitimately, like, want to learn more, and I want to see, like, what more they're going to do with mm-hmm. it going forward, because considering everything that we're going to talk about that they've made up to this point, I'm like, what the fuck else can they do? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, uh, yeah, I can't... I, Bunny Girl Senpai is a lot more psychology-based. This is a lot more of your kind of textbook science-based. Mm-hmm. But that being said, there is also a psychological element involved in it because of one specific character in general like i think it's mainly one specific character that that really pushes the psychology element but even then with without that there is still a psychological element just because of the fact that 
um, of the circumstances that they're put into as characters. And I actually have a query about um, that, and I want to know your opinion uh, when we when we dive into it. Mm-hmm. And also, one thing I'll say before we get into this. There is a lot of comedy in this that we probably oh, yeah. won't cover in the like actual covering of it. So please, like, I'll probably mention like one bit during whatever Blue talks about episode two because I don't think I've laughed that hard in such a long time. I think you know what part I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I've laughed that hard in a really long time. So watch the show purely out of the comedy that's in it as well. You're going to learn a lot. But my God, the show is hilarious. Yeah, I have written a couple of comedic points down as well. Um, and just little notes on characters that uh, are little character quirks that they all have, because the characters are quite quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have kind of a saying, I guess, or like something about them that is unique to them as characters. Um, and uh, those end up being pretty funny because of the the way that they're used um maybe against them later i guess i don't know mm-hmm. oh and one thing i will say like i broke blue out of her shell on dubs for this one yes because yeah I, I think you started watching the sub and then i was like hey so listen if you want an easier time watching it the dub is great <laughs> so i actually ended up watching the anime twice through because i watched it in sub the first time and i only took notes on the first episode Mm-hmm. And then I was hooked and it was late at night. And so I was just like, screw it. I will take the notes later. I'll just re- re- I'll just rewatch like these episodes. I was like, I'll only watch like episode four or something tonight. And then I'll only have three episodes worth of notes that I can go back and take later. And no, that didn't happen. Um, I then finished the show on subs <laughs> without having taken any notes apart from the ones from episode one. So then I had to watch the show again. <laughs> Um, and so I watched it um, in dubbed and then uh, I just skipped like I, I did watch it but I also like skipped through bits where I was like okay I know what's happening and then took my notes so I kind of like half watched it I guess but I did watch it a, a chunk in dubs so what did you think between the sub and the dub well I thought that they, the dubs were actually really really good and I did very much enjoy watching the dubs and it was really convenient to be able to take notes and still um, be able to hear and, and understand because I mean my listening comprehension for Japanese is not fantastic um so <laughs> to say the least um so yeah I have a hard time taking notes and listening at the same time so quite often I'll find myself pausing so it was nice to be able to just take notes and have it playing in the background and still be able to follow along and I mm. think that the the dubs they were really really good but I am still a sub girl you see I think my biggest issue with the dub was Senku mm. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the Japanese voice actor just got his personality better. I agree. Now, everybody else I thought was as spot on as you could possibly get to the subbed version. And mm-hmm. honestly, like I think the reason I was more drawn towards the dubbed version this time through, because the first time watching it through, I watched it subbed week to week as it was coming out. So watching it through this time, like... It was great because Funimation did the dub and mm-hmm. they had like, I felt like I was watching My Hero all over mm-hmm. again because mm-hmm. you had like two of the big three from My Hero as Senku and Taiju. Mm-hmm. And then like other like 
My Hero people spread out, and then Chrome was done by Hero, who is the main character in Darling in the Bronx. Mm. And so I was just like, this, ah, oh, like I was having such a trip watching it. I actually, that, I know that we're going to talk about this in the next podcast on this, um, but in the behind the scenes, they actually mentioned that everyone in the crew that they tried to gather, the, the director tried to gather, are people that haven't worked on big projects before. So how do you feel about the um, English voices um, being bigger names in comparison to what they tried to do for Dr. Stone in Japan, which was only use up-and-coming people. You see, I was all for them doing that with the Japanese version, because I like that's honestly a really cool thing to do, is to give like new people an opportunity to make a break, and especially with as big as that anime... Ended up becoming. Yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. I think the reason it became as big as it did is because it's classified as a shonen manga. Yeah. And that's like getting back to the background and the information of the show. So it was it was done in the weekly Shonen Jump, which is the same as Dragon Ball, One Piece, yeah. Naruto, like all of that. Yeah, Demon Slayer was in there too, right? Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. classified in with all of that, which like gave it such a huge spotlight and made it take off the way that it did which this mm-hmm. like is not your typical shonen manga or anime by no. any stretch of the imagination although yeah. i'm excited to see like what they're going to do with the second season and see if it is going to like go towards the shonen side of things yeah well they are kind of leading you up to it in a sense but mm. also because of how science based it is i don't think you're ever going to lose that element of it being a very intellectual show yeah i don't think so either but i think i think some of the upcoming scenes are going to be oh i hope i hope they're great like i have very high expectations and i don't think i'm going to be disappointed yeah but i i have extremely high expectations for it but Mm -hmm. and so the thing about it being though is since funimation was the one who licensed the dub I feel like I'm not surprised by that by any means. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the people that Funimation has for their dubs, I really can't, like, I can't complain about because yeah. they're all names that I have listened to and thoroughly enjoy, especially yeah. with Chrome's voice actor who was Hiro and Darling in the Franks, which is, yeah, like, it's one of my favorite animes, mainly because of... Like what they did with the show, but also my hero with um, Taiju's voice actor being Mirio. Like I was just, I was having such a trip watching the dub. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say, I don't think that, well, it's pretty obvious that dubs are not on the same kind of level that um, anime is in general. So like anime kind of right now in Japan has this sort of freedom of being able to use up-and-coming artists and branch out and experiment and all of this kind of stuff because they are so solidified in being good quality products that they get to kind of branch out into finding new people. But dubs, because they're not solidified in being known as being good yet, um, I feel like people are... Like, they need to get that grounding first of being reliably good before they can start spreading out and picking up new people to then do kind of, like, fun, experimental, we're working with new artists kind of thing because they don't have that foundation yet. So I think it's kind of forgivable at this point 
um, that they didn't use up and coming artists uh, because of the fact that they don't have that that same level of reliability. Um, I feel like if they used all up and coming artists, it could be a deterrent to people watching the um, the dubbed before even giving it a chance in this case, as opposed to a positive of people being like, oh, well, they're using new indie artists. That's really cool. I want to watch it. It's like, oh my God, they're using new indie artists. It's going to be terrible. I don't want to watch, you know? And I think a lot of that too is all because of there are very few, like, I guess, English studios that license stuff like that. Yeah. Because primarily the people who license dubs are Funimation, yeah. Netflix, and Amazon. Yeah. And so your pool of people there is going to be extremely limited. Now, I know Crunchyroll is starting to do some dubs and whatnot as well, but yeah. still you're limited, whereas every studio gets like almost like a different crew of people. Yeah. So, which, I mean, I'm glad to see more and more like American companies branching out and doing dubs because it means that the pool of people who are going to be chosen from and used are going to be more vast and getting better and better yeah yeah and it's increased work for voice actors in the world Mm -hmm. so it's a lot more opportunities and so like i was fine with funimation doing it because also it just brought more eyes to the product as well and that's what like a new show needs is more eyes being brought to it because it just goes to show the fact that it got a second season confirmed like right at the end of the first season just Mm -hmm. like okay it's actually going to go places and do well so from here, with um, now, in your opinion, the dubs being pretty solid, would you want to see, like for season two, new characters that are introduced, would you want to see them be reliable, like well-known dubbed artists, or would you prefer to see them be a little bit more indie artists? I would, because looking at the crew of people who are used in this one, honestly, I think they could use like lesser known voice mm-hmm. actors for the second season because they've built like such a crew of veterans for the first season it'd be good to train someone up yeah and also yeah. like it'll just kind of like i don't feel like it would lag or anything by any means yeah mm-hmm. so i give them I, the support that they need as a new artist yeah there's like nothing but like the sky being the limit for as far as what they can accomplish Mm. with the second season with bringing in new artists so like i'm all for it yeah no i'm with you on that and so with the so (sighs) with the actual anime side of the show it was the studio that made it was tms entertainment Mm -hmm. who are responsible for some like animes that i really enjoyed with orange relife sweetness and lightning and a couple of newer shows, one that's still coming out to date right now, Tower of God, which is a oh. Crunchyroll exclusive and I'm really yeah. enjoying. But also, there's a new anime starting next month called Rent a Girlfriend that has like some really stunning visuals that I've seen. Okay. But with them just being visuals, I know that has nothing to do with the actual quality like of the show that's going to be yeah. attached to it. But I mean, the visuals are stunning to where I'll at least watch an episode or two. Yeah. To see how it's going to go and then decide whether I want to watch it. But July is already going to be so packed with shit to watch. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot to get through. (laughs) Yeah. We, I mean, we have a lot to get through for that. But not only that, do you realize how much weekly shit I'm going to be watching? Yeah. I'm in trouble. Yeah. I know. I have recently started diving into some 
uh, new manga and I've been pretty hooked on that and we've got voice acting projects that we've got to get done. We have so much to do. We're we are very busy people. Yeah. I I need yeah. to I need to quit my day job to be able to do everything else that I, I have going on. It's so right? bad. I'm drowning. Oh, geez. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, but don't worry we we'll get there we'll get there we'll get oh, there yeah. when we get there um and so like one thing i didn't know until i started doing some background research on the show the manga has a spinoff that focuses on uh Byakuya. oh i'm so interested yeah it's one volume and i think it's on fizz so okay. we can use our subscription to our advantage and read it because i i really want to read that yeah yeah me too so for context to those of you guys who haven't seen the show uh Byakuya is senku who is our main character's dad um and yeah if you want to know why he's important you have to watch the show or keep on listening to when we start discussing episode by episode yes also so and this just popped up on the website where we get our anime news so i wanted mm-hmm. to talk about it really quick because it was topical to what we talked about earlier mm-hmm. so july 1st the Promise Neverland's dub is hitting Funimation. Canada Day. Is that Canada Day? It is. Three ah. days before uh, 4th of July. Ooh, interesting. I've learned things. We come first. I mean, y'all can have your maple syrup before we shoot our fireworks. Well, we're going to shoot our maple syrup fireworks and it's going to get all sticky because the wind's going to blow everywhere. <laughs> Just keep it on that side. It's uh, hot enough down here, so it's sticky enough as it is. It's actually been pretty hot up here in Canada as well recently. Interesting. Let me see see what the temperature is in um, Celsius, because I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. Um, Okay, right now it's only 15 degrees Celsius, but it is 10 p.m. But, like, it was was hot during the day. (laughs) It was, it was hot. (laughs) It was, it was like, I mean, it's Canada hot, so it's hot for me, but it was like 20 degrees, okay? It's like 22 degrees. Did you say 20 degrees? 22, yeah. That's like house temperature. <laughs> I was, like was going to say, that's that's 72 Fahrenheit if I round up. Yeah. Let me, you, you want to know how hot I it mean, was here? It will, it will it get to like 30 degrees in the summer, but it is only June. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. It was though. 35 today. Oh, geez. How do you live? I mean, I say that, but then I'm just like casual minus 30 in the winter. Like, it's no big deal. Well, and here's the thing. He, this is my theory with why I would rather live in a colder climate than a hotter climate. Okay. You can put on more clothes to stay warm. Mm-hmm. I cannot peel my skin off to cool off. Do you have a, like, a heat warning? Like, we have a frostbite warning? Um, at certain points of the year, like, once we get into, like, late July and August, yes. Like, there'll be a legitimate heat warning, because heat stroke is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, because that's my thing about about the cold, is that um, every winter here will have a couple weeks in February um, of, you can't go outside, normally about, yeah, two weeks in February, we'll have uh, a time of, like, you cannot go outside for more than 15 minutes, because any bare skin that is shown will get frostbite. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm like, okay, when you were like, oh, you know, extreme heat, I'd rather have extreme cold. And I'm like, well, can we, like, how about we just move to a nice middle ground? You know, we'll go to California, you know, <laughs> somewhere like that, where yeah. it's this, there's no seasons. Yeah, we'll go somewhere where there's no seasons, because uh, having eight months of winter isn't fun. 
No, but I mean, in Tennessee, we get all four seasons, and sometimes we get all four seasons in a fucking week. Weather we, here is crazy. We have fan. about a week of spring and about two weeks of autumn, and then mm-hmm. it's summer and winter. Interesting. And mainly winter. Yeah. Mainly winter. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, okay, if I think about this realistically, it is a guaranteed snow before Halloween. Like, that is absolute guaranteed. But for the last two years in a row, it snowed in September. Um... And so, and by the time it melts, it melts in May. Snow melts in the beginning of May. Mm -hmm. So from October, let's say October to May, there is snow. So then the end, last two weeks of May is spring. So July, (laughs) from June to September, from June to the end of August is summer. And then September is autumn, winter. (laughs) So at least you get to end summer with my birthday. So that will forever be implanted in your mind that I'm the last good thing that happens <laughs> with warm weather and then everything goes to shit. <laughs> my birthday's in November. So my birthday's right on the on the turn. Um, yeah. It's it's not cold enough yet for the ski slopes to be open when my birthday is. My The ski slopes tend to open like a week after my birthday. Um uh, but it's too cold to do anything. <laughs> so, yeah, my birthday sucks. In the UK, my birthday was great because um, my birthday's on the 8th of November. And on the 5th of November in the UK, you have uh, Guy Fawkes Night, uh, Bonfire Night, because many, many years ago, we burnt an Italian at the stake for trying to burn down our government building. For our, our, yeah, I think that's what happened. The Tower of Westminster, we tried to burn it down. So, I don't know. <laughs> that's I didn't really learn about it in school, to be honest. Um and so we have bonfire night every November. Remember, remember the 5th of November to celebrate that, I guess. I don't know. Um, funsies. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you make huge bonfires. You have fireworks, parades through the streets, um, that kind of stuff. So having a birthday three days after was always sick because, like, the parades would happen. You have a really cool weekend. And then it would be my birthday right after. So it was, like, a really good birthday. Um but here in Canada, I had a couple Halloween birthdays, but also Halloween kind of sucks because you can't wear anything. Like when I was a kid, like I couldn't go trick-or-treating too easily because I had to figure out what I was going to wear over my snowsuit. <laughs> Just always have to get the next size up so it'll fit. Yeah. Like there's actual Halloween snowsuits that are made out here for like toddlers. So like you put, like it's like a a snowsuit but it's got like a cattail in ears or it's shaped like a pumpkin or you know (laughs) so you could just put your toddler in a snowsuit that's like just yeah it's like you see these disney princesses and they're disney princesses princess dresses that are like puffed over like giant puffer jackets and snow pants and boots it's like (laughs) it's really cute but it's also kind of like I, i remember how frustrating that was when i first moved and I was going trick-or-treating with my middle school buds. It was like, okay, what can I be over my snowsuit? <laughs> but now that you're an anime fan, the cat girl outfit would just work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, and geez. then, okay, so you might be really interested by the director on this show. Mm-hmm. So Shinya Ino is the director for the show if i didn't completely fucking butcher that anyway do you know what he directed in 2018 no the one sports anime 
that I'm familiar with before watching this, and I think we need to cover it. Hane Bado. Oh. Badminton. Yeah. Okay. He directed it. I did not know that until I started looking up the background of this, and I was like, oh my god, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, we definitely need to cover that then. Because he directed that, and uh, Made in Abyss. Okay. But yeah, I was like, Hane Bado. Uh, it, it's, oh, we gotta yeah. cover it, because that's the one sports anime that I was familiar with before met me. Blue decided to start cramming sports anime down my throat. <laughs> I love sports anime. What can I say? It's my favorite. Okay. Yeah, and that's why you got turned into a meme. You're welcome. I did get turned into a meme, but you know, what can I do? <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? But yeah, that's that's all the background info. So. Okay. Which we have to discuss this because the show had two different OPs and EDs. It did. So, and they both split at the two cores. So, we got to yeah. talk about the first one in the first episode. Okay. What did you think? Uh, I didn't like it at what? first, but it really grew on me. <laughs> it was one of those ones where I was like, this is weird. And then the more I listened to it, the more I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. And then when they used it during a montage in the back half, I was like, this no this is sick this is really cool and now i really like it but my first impression was i'm not down uh, you see but it, i was similar to that with the ed of the show like the ed yeah. i was like okay you know this is all right yeah. it's not bad but yeah. like the op like i was immediately captivated by it because i was like this is sick <laughs> the one thing that threw me off was that they say good morning world uh-huh in english Mm-hmm. and the singer doesn't pronounce the D on world, and it just threw me off a little bit. Absolutely nothing against him or whatever. It's, he's not speaking his, first, his native language. Like, totally understand how difficult that is. But I will say that it did just kind of, like, draw me out a little bit. Didn't Like, I didn't feel so good about it um, when I first started listening to it. But the more I got accustomed to it and the more I stopped hearing it as, like, hearing it as a word and more just listening to it as music... Um, the more I enjoyed it. So I think, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I really did like it. All I'm hearing here is that you just like attacking people for their accents and how they say things. I do. You know, it's just so fun to just take the piss out of everyone for how they talk. Look, okay, my heart still hurts from the last episode. You hurt Aww. me. Oh. I don't have feelings, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Blue big bully. <laughs> big bully. <laughs> Such big a big bully. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm glad it at least grew on you. But oh my no, goodness, really I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is great. No, it was really cool, and it did really, really fit the the montage when they used it then. And the animation for the OP was, I think, really slick and awesome. It was, yeah, and it yeah, it it was really slick, and it it hinted to things that you wouldn't think are important mm-hmm. that are that i think it actually made it rather charming like it, it it was kind of cool that they showed things in the op scenes that i probably wouldn't have picked for the op scenes mm-hmm. because typically like the op will pick like big moments that's coming up mm-hmm. but this show like it like just and i'm sure you noticed it watching it through the second time 
dubbed like stuff that you didn't notice the first time because there's like little subtleties that are that are sprinkled in that are bleak if you miss it. Yeah. But honestly, since I watched it through week to week the first time subbed, watching it through this time dubbed, like I paid like more attention. Also, yeah. it might also be because I watched the first six episodes of the show four times dubbed. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I kept introducing people to it and kept getting them hooked. But that also means I had to sit through it because I'm yeah. big dumb whenever it comes to that shit. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, there's like just little bits sprinkled in and the OP like just like sprinkled them in as well. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I thought it was slick. Now, we'll talk about it more in the second episode, but the ED for the second core, like I was captivated by it because it was like the Are You Lost ED of like the little crayon colored drawings of everything. I really liked the second ED. See, I like I thought the first OP and ED were better than the second OP and ED. Did you? Okay. I, I still enjoyed them. Like, I, yeah. I still enjoyed the second OP and ED, but I just yeah. preferred the animation style on the second one on how, like, everything was done in crayon. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, I would actually put all of the OPs and EDs kind of on the same rank, but my preference would probably be the first OP, the second ED. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Although I really, really, really liked the second OP. Mm-hmm. Like, immediately off the bat. But I think it's just that the way that the first one kind of grew on me. I always find that, like, foods, songs, movies, anything that I try once and I'm like, mm, not a big fan of. And then the more that I have it, the more I like it. I find that I like those a lot longer and a lot stronger than I do things that I like, bam, right off the bat. And yet, Demon Slayer never grew on you. Jerk. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to listen to it over, like, the the next, like, four years, and then slowly it'll grow on me, and then I'll love it. I don't know. You never know. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like I'm kind of, like, a slow burner when it comes to things like that. Like, things that that I aren't keen on when I first listen to them, I tend to to like better the more I listen to. Huh. In certain cases. I don't know. But yeah, let's- (laughs) Let's do our overview of this bad boy. Um, before we pop up that spoiler wall officially. So I am um, going to be doing an overview, I guess, for the whole thing. Because, like, it's... It's kind of hard I'm to gonna... segment it, like, as far yeah. as, like, in a vast overview of the show. Because there's, like, I had a really I, hard time explaining go spoilers, this to friends. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, you can't really talk about a whole lot. Because no, you will, you it's very thing. easy to spoil things that are coming up. Yes. Yeah. So uh, basically, the idea of the show is that you have a, uh, well, it actually opens with a character named Taiju, who's not actually the main character. Senku is the main character, but it opens with him. Um, And uh, he is going to confess to a girl that he really likes. Um, And as he's about to confess, a big green light overtakes the world. And I think you see this in the OP, so it's, like, not spoilers at all. Um, And it turns everyone um, into stone, petrifies them all. And then it's about your main character, Senku, who somehow becomes unpetrified 3,700 years into the future, when all of humanity, and not only all of humanity, but like all of humanity's stuff, buildings and everything, it has been so long that it's all deteriorated and broken down, and the world has kind of been left to overgrow 
So the environments changed over 3,700 years of evolution. Um, and not only that, all the everything that was like cities and stuff, and not only like planted cities now, like there's no buildings even in the cities anymore because it's been so long that the buildings have completely deteriorated. Um, so it's just wildlands. So you're back to the Stone Age. And so he is trying to figure out a way to unpetrify the rest of humanity when uh, he uh, something happens and he ends up uh, there ends up being a bad guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this bad guy, he doesn't want the same things that Senku does with the way that the world should be reborn. So it creates a uh, kind of turbulent relationship and, well, obviously a bad guy, good guy relationship between the two of them, of which Senku wants to reanimate everyone and get humanity back to the way that it was so he can continue exploring with science and doing his thing and and push past the two million years of, 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 uh, like, sci- of human science development, scientific de- development that we already went through, catch up to that two million years that we already went through, and then push past it and keep going. Whereas our bad guy doesn't want those same things. And uh, he happens to be a lot more adapt in the situation that they're in in the Stone Age, whereas Senku is a lot more built for the modern world. So it's, uh, or I suppose ancient world, I guess. Um <coughs> It's a, yeah, kind of a, a battle between the two of them. And then Senku developing science and this other guy uh, wanting other things. I think that's the best way to explain it without spoiling anything. Yeah, uh, I will agree with that, without a doubt. Yeah, do you think there's anything I'm missing? No, no, because we're, we're going to end up covering anything that was missed anyway. Right, okay. So that is where I will pop up the spoiler warning so anyone who has not seen the show and does not wish to be spoiled uh please go watch the show come back have a listen um and anyone that has seen the show we're going to be going through or is okay with spoilers i guess and we're going to be going through our episode by episode dissection now of the first 12 episodes i don't actually know what the first episode is called because did i not write it down in my notes i did stone world episode one is called stone world simple enough um hmm so it's simple enough. Simple enough. Yeah, it is. I just happened to write it at the end of my notes rather than at the beginning, because that makes so much logical sense. So <laughs> one thing I will say, I am 10 billion percent excited to talk about this. Ha, 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 ha. Character quirks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rules are rules. Um, <laughs> that, oh, I was so sick of hearing that by the time it was all said and done. I mean, right? I, it was hilarious, but I was also sick of it. <laughs> Right, I know. Um, okay, so one day, a boy, high school age, named Taiju, is going to confess to the girl that he's liked for over five years. Uh, Yuzu, uh, Yuzu Yeah, Yuzu Um, and, uh, the kids from the science lab are watching there at school. And the kids from the science lab are, like, sticking their heads out the window and he's under a big tree and she's, like, waiting under the tree and it's all kind of, like, beautiful and pretty and and everyone's, like, sticking their heads out the window, like, five bucks on him getting rejected. Um, Because they're such supportive friends. And uh, then, as he's about to confess, a bright green light 
overshines the world and everyone is coated in a layer of stone. That's what I thought. I thought originally that they were coated in a layer of stone, but that's actually incorrect. They are completely stone through the core. And I'll explain why I thought that they were originally just coated in stone later, but they are petrified completely through the core, turned to stone, statues. Um, Taiju has managed to keep himself conscious uh, by thinking about asking her out and thinking about her and how much he loves her um, and somehow um, was preserved, um, his consciousness was preserved while being turned to stone. Um, He ended up getting washed away, um, seemingly into a cave, and he stayed there for thousands of years as the plants um, overtook the human world. When one day the stone uh, cracks and now it is a stone cast. So stone cast cracks and Taiju's head um, was still only filled uh, with his riha um, as those were the thoughts that were keeping him conscious. So he goes to find the tree where she was standing underneath um, because like he, he was kind of washed away, but he wasn't washed away too far. Um, so he goes to find the tree where she was standing underneath uh, so that he can like find her again uh, after he's woken up. And the tree had actually protected her from corrosion um, and was like, had grown around her. He is finally able to confess his love to her stone self. Like he confesses. He is kind of, his his manhood, that makes it sound like I'm talking about his dick. I'm not. Like his... <laughs> We'll, we'll get to that in the next episode. Don't worry. It's so frustrating. It gets in the way, dude. I was like, why would you? But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> um, I get it. But also, uh, uh, there's two moments in here where, I mean, he's he's a stupid character. Like, like nobody thinks that he's intelligent. But there's one moment in this show where somebody who's supposedly like really like a battle um like a somebody who's really good at fighting and stuff does something really stupid and they just kind of gloss over it like it's not a big deal but in my head I'm just like you're a big idiot and so yeah I will rant about that when we get there but dude so anyway he notices that there is a message carved into the tree telling him to follow the river go upstream where he finds uh, the school's science genius um, who's already been awake for six months um, he tells Taiju that the date is now October 5th, uh, 5738, and that um, about 3,700 years have passed. When asked how he knew, Senku just states that he counted whilst being, like, solidified. It's just like, yeah, casually, I just counted the seconds. It's fine. Billions um, of seconds. <laughs> billions of seconds, yeah. Um and he figured out that the cave that they were both washed away to was actually dripping um, nitric acid from the bats, um, and it slowly weathered away at the stone. And that if he can power up the acid, he can. Uh, can he speed up the corrosion time? Question uh, mark. This is before you know very much, so it's kind of like hypothesizing. Um, he wants to rehuman the world. That's what I put. Rehuman. Uh, so articulate. And uh, and so they end up making wine from grapes to add alcohol, um, and they test it on a stone bird. And they'd actually seen a few of the stone sparrows a few days before, prior to the green flash. Um, and the sparrow cracks, and there's like a montage of them like trying different things and and things to get the um, acid content higher to be able to crack open this this uh, 
stone, but they figure out eventually that it is a 70% nitric acid, 30% alcohol ratio to be able to break open the stone. And the bird inside is alive and flies away. And that is the end of the first episode. Um, so yeah, it's basically just introducing your main character via the supporting character, introducing the concept of the world. And uh, you actually learn a lot more about what happens during this time period later on. So this episode is leaving you with a lot of questions intentionally because they will be cleared up. Even like really late into the show, we're still finding out answers about what happened in these first six months when Senku was around and nobody else was. What was your initial impression of the show? I was intrigued, but also, like, I I really enjoyed the dynamic of the two main characters. Yeah. It's really weird because I say the two main characters, but one of them is not around very long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, That, I am intrigued for season two because it is implied that um, Taiju and Yuzuriha are going big characters in season two that they were characters that were obviously big to storyline but weren't around for super long because of a situation that we'll talk about later so yeah mm. I feel like they're gonna be pretty big in season two but I'm not sure I want to know more about them you know especially her and her skills oh yeah yeah because she's like she's shown so very little and shown to... And Senku gives her a mission that we don't know about what it is. And I think I know what it is, but I'll we'll get to that, I guess, in the end of the second episode that we're going to be recording on this when we discuss theories. Well, maybe, or I guess we can discuss it whenever we get to that point, because I think it's what, yeah. episode seven, I think? I think so, yeah. Because I, I think you and I are going to be able to say, I, I think they imply something, um, so I think it's pretty obvious what they what he says to her decently. I don't know, but like we still don't get to hear about it, so it does leave you with questions. So then episode two is called King of the Stone World. Um oh one thing I will note is that the first, like, probably about to episode seven of this show has recaps in the beginning, but then slowly the recaps become shorter and shorter until eventually they stop happening throughout the rest of the show. Did you notice that? Okay, yes, I did notice. And it went from being recaps to just, like, carrying on into the next episode. Yeah. To where, like, it was just, like, what happened at the ass end of the episode, carrying on. And then I don't know if you also noticed, but the OP kept starting later. Middle, later, yeah, like in the middle later. of the show, yeah. <laughs> to where I think one episode it started at, like, the 15-minute mark. I think, like, yeah. halfway into the show, it was like, what is this shit? I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually, I kind of liked that because it meant that they really rounded off what they were going on about. And because you're dealing with like a lot of scientific terminology and things like that during this show, I feel like if they had just chucked the OP in kind of towards the beginning without properly rounding off what they were talking about, you could kind of lose track of what they're going on about pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was a good decision for them to do that, but I will admit that it was pretty jarring when you're expecting it to be um, like the little title cards where they're going to put an advertisement break if it was going to be on TV, but it's not. It's the OP. Yeah. <laughs> it's like since it's in the middle of the episode. Like, I feel like the first half of the episode, like, not that it drug necessarily, but it's like you expect the OP to hit at like the two or three minute mark at the latest. Yeah. So it happens at the 15 minute mark. I think my brain was just automatically set to, okay, OP, any minute, any minute. I, Come on now. <laughs> I, 
I wouldn't wait for the OP. I would just forget that it was there. And I was just like, okay, well, I guess we've already had it. You know, like my brain just like ignored the OP. And then all of a sudden it would just appear out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is still the intro. Well, I think it was like episode 24. The OP was actually the start of the episode. Yeah. And then since the show was done the way it was, I forgot that it happened. So I got like halfway through the episode and I was like, is the OP going to start anytime soon? <laughs> we going to have an OP. <laughs> like, I was I was real confused. Like, I had yeah. no clue how to feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, it was definitely very interesting. It was an interesting quirk of the show. Um, but yeah, so episode two is about the... Uh, with the experiment being successful. Yeah. Okay. With the experiment being successful, Senku decides that he doesn't care who they wake up first. Well, he says that he doesn't care, but in reality, he knows that Taiju really, really wants to wake up Yusuriha. So he uh, lets him choose. Uh, they test it out on a shattered statue first, and it just turns back into a corpse. Um, and Senku was just like so casual about it. Um, it's like, oh yeah, it was just like a dead body part. It's fine. Um, they, uh, but they end up not being able to turn her back right away because she'll be naked. Um, and Saiju is not cool with that. He's like, he's like, we've, <laughs> we've got a glide there. And Senku's like, what does it even matter? We're all like in the middle of the wild wilderness right now. We're all going to dicks out. And Taiju's like, she doesn't have a dick. Um, I, like, that's all I remember about this episode. <laughs> Taiju just literally shouting, Yuzuriya does not have a dick. It's so funny. Um, like, I was I was in the floor laughing at that point. Like, I collapsed out of the recliner. That was, oh, that was so good. Oh, it's great. It's great. So he ends up picking her up and um, taking her back to camp. But as they're going to take her back to camp, the lions start chasing them. Da, 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 da. Why are there lions in Japan 3,000 years into the future? Because they theorize that they must have escaped from the zoo thousands of years ago. Because, like, the, like, carers the zoo keepers must have been feeding them or something when the um green light happened which is not actually how zoos work because there's normally a like an airlock kind of thing where like even if one door was open there would be another door i feel like it could have been a situation of like once power officially shut off it just opened all the gates but then what would happen if there was a power outage at the zoo backup generators or some shit man i don't know that's the only thing i can hmm. think of jurassic park uh- jurassic park <laughs> tiger edition jurassic park yeah it's basically that kind of thing happened uh they escaped thousands of years ago and because there aren't really predators in japan i feel like japan's pretty much like england in the sense that are there there are bears in japan aren't there i think so but also like yeah godzilla (laughs) also godzilla uh but like there's not there's not that many um big predators in japan so i feel like yeah if lions were free to run free then they would pretty quickly take top layer of predator ishness, yeah. top tier. Then they also talk about um, gorillas as well at some point too, as them not being native to Japan. So how do they like? How do people know about them? Because of the hundred tails. Um, <laughs> we'll get foreshadowing. To um, uh, um, so yeah, so uh, the lions are like top predators, and they are backed into a corner. They uh, don't have a choice, so they actually end up reviving a statue close to them that Taiju recognizes as being the high school primate, Shichiro uh, Tsukasa. Tsukasa. 
And he, like, one punches a lion to death. Um, <laughs> one punch! Yeah, like, he, honestly, though, like, one punch <laughs> the really lion does. to death. He fucks that lion um, up. And, uh, yes, the other, the other members of the lion pack, they are pack pride. The other pride. The other pride members run away. And, yeah, they end up using the, all of the revival miracle liquid on him. And so Yuzriha can't be revived yet. But um, Sukasa wants to use the body of the lion because to appreciate its life. Um, and he ends up becoming their main hunter. He's wild, literally. Like, think Tarzan, but on steroids. And Senku states that they need limestone or calcium carbonate. Lime or calcium. I don't know if it is limestone. They just said lime, but... I don't know. I, f- I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know science. Um, if you, uh, and if you pu- pulverize the shells on the beach, that's what you'll get. So, um, and there are four useful ways to use calcium carbonate. Um, and they need it for fertilizer, cement, soap, and dot, dot, dot. Senku is major sus of Tsukasa. And Tsukasa tells Senku uh, the story of him as a boy who was beaten for collecting, accused of stealing, shells for a sick sister who loved the little mermaid. But because a fisherman actually owned the land um, or the spot on the beach that Tsukasa was um, collecting the shells from, um, he uh, ended up getting accused of stealing and got the crap beaten out of him as a kid. So he has a real issue with adults because of that situation. Um, and so he ends up breaking a statue that he sees on the beach of an old guy. Um, he sees adults as tainted hearts that will rob the youth. And he wants to live with only the youth. Senku disagrees and states that he is going to revive everyone with the power of science. And that is the establishment of our bad guy, evil. So evil. So evil. What did you think of Sukasa when he first emerged from the stone. Like, I was immediately suspicious of he's gonna turn on them quickly. I don't know what yeah. for, I don't know why, but he's, like, he's gonna end up turning into the big bad because he's gonna want to control the revival fluid. And then once he explains that he doesn't like the older generation, I was like, called it. Called it. Yeah, I I was pretty sus of him pretty quick, too. I think I think they do a lot to make him feel pretty eerie when he first comes out and to make you suspicious of him. They actually set him up really well as a character because they don't actually establish that he is bad until pretty much right at the end of this episode. So, and because he saved their lives, I don't know, but he does come across as pretty manipulative. Um, and I'm not sure, I mean, I know they had to because they were in a pinch, but I'm not sure reviving someone who is stronger than you and your bird as your first choice of rev- I mean, maybe not the best idea. Well, I mean, I know like, they- if we were talking, like, scopes of realism here, like, this is one of those moments of... I mean, granted, the whole, not like, realism. people being, like, frozen in stone and then coming Natrified, back, yeah, yeah, like, that's bullshit. But, like, as far as, like, natural human strength goes, like, you know, the show is very much grounded realistic. in realism, but this is, like, a naturally strong thing, but it makes sense, like... If he were, like, a real human being and he were that strong, yeah, revive him quickly. Let's go. So it made the most yeah, sense absolutely. at the time. But also, I thought that Taiju and Senku were being idiots with going out and not, like, having some sort of weapons on them anyway. Well, I – but then, again, it's this whole situation of if you're in Japan and you know it's Japan 
and in your mind lions don't exist because they don't exist in Japan. I don't think I would like if I if I were suddenly if I were in England and got petrified and then was unpetrified, I wouldn't be concerned about predators because England doesn't have any predators. If I were in Canada and I was petrified and then 3000 years later I was unpetrified. I would be heckin' scared of everything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, so I feel like maybe there, there's that argument for them at least that like in, I don't know how many predators there are in Japan, but I don't feel like that there are uh, that many to where that they would naturally be cautious about it. Cause they're still in their brain from 3,700 years ago, right? I mean, Senku less so. Senku should have known. He's smarter than that. But like Taiju, I give him a pass because he only recently woke up and he, consider the fact that like that a top predator could be around i think humans have this kind of like arrogance about them because about us but about them i am not human um about us because um they we are the top of the food chain you know and also i think it's like a little bit of like natural ignorance as well yeah to where it's just like we don't pay like, we choose not to pay attention to things that we don't want to or we don't want to think about it. Yeah. Because there were a couple moments in the show, too, of Senku just being like, oh, I should have thought about that. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Episode three is Weapons of Science. Taiju is an idiot. And he <laughs> he runs up to Sakasa and um, Senku, who are in this tense conversation from the last episode ending off with them having this disagreement and he just blurts out um that the the revival liquid for the statues uh within the cave has been refilled the the pot has been refilled and that they need that they need to collect some more and so uh and it's like right after senku is just like we cannot let him know about the liquid and then taiju runs up and is like here's the liquid (laughs) um it's yeah it's a major face palm. And so then they, so Senku's just like, okay, well, fuck it. We're going to send Tsukasa to the cave to collect more nitric acid. Um, and as that's the only ingredient that he knows of to make the um, final concoction. So he's like, well, we'll just send him to the cave to collect it. And so, uh, or to collect more of it because Senku said, oh, I don't have enough. Um, so like, go get more. Uh, but then Taiju catches on that something actually happened. And so he follows Senku's word and it's just like, well, whatever you want to do, Senku, I'm with you. Um, and so they end up reviving Yuzuriha before Tsukasa returns because, yeah, they don't want him to know how it works or other ingredients that they, they, that they need for it. Um, romantic revival! Um, <laughs> where uh, uh, Taiju cries and... Um, doesn't admit his feelings, um, but she is so lenient with him. Oh my god, she is so. She's just like she has so much more patience than I do. <laughs> like she is, she has the patience of a saint. Jeez. Um, and he ends up. Uh, Taiju gives Senku the credit for reviving her, though, saying that he spent a whole year working on the revival fluid. Senku gives them two options: a) they run away and live happily ever after, the two of them. Or B, they attempt to fight Tsukasa, who is currently um, crushing all of the old people statues. They choose B, um, and so they're gonna they're gonna try and fight Tsukasa. He just casually strolls on up and interrupts them, um, and Senku fires his secret crossbow at them. But he catches the arrow, which was going at two hundred kilometers per hour. So this is where it's like this show is pretty dang dang sciency until you're dealing with Tsukasa, whose power is not sciency. Um, 
Uh, he is like the most unrealistic thing about the show other than the petrification. So Taiju manages to, goes to like attack him, but he manages to retain, to remain standing from Tsukasa's attack, which actually earns him brownie points um, because uh, Tsukasa is like, oh, people don't like to remain um, standing after my attack is like, people don't do that. You're the first. So he ends up getting some brownie points at Tsukasa because of that. But then he loses them immediately with his idiocy. Um, because he tries to be like, you could just beat me up when you feel like crushing statues. And it's like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's that's what he tries. But Taiju ends up uh, collapsing, though, due to the attack. And Tsukasa walks off as there is no one really to fight now. And he doesn't know the whole revival formula, so he's not going to kill them. Um, and yeah, he, there's no point in him really hanging around. So he just goes to continue on his rampage. And Senku has a plan. Senku makes a, he like destroys the laboratory and area that they made, um, and makes it look like they've kind of left in a hurry. Um, and then he makes a sextant, uh, but the accuracy is crap. And that will be explained later, but basically he's finding a direction to go somewhere because they want to go, I don't actually remember i didn't write down where they want to go they want to go somewhere in japan specifically because senku has a plan i think uh um, <laughs> hakane i think so yeah, yeah yeah and but because the sextant's accuracy is not good yuzuriha ends up looking around for some kind of like spot where they can um kind of ground themselves as to figure out where they are um and she ends up spotting a patch of bear trees and when they go there they find a uh the great buddha of uh kamakura and they are able to pinpoint their location because of that landmark it's made of bronze so it survived the three nearly four thousand years it's also a really big emotional moment of realization that they really are in japan and it's kind of like okay yeah this is we're not just in like some fantasy world or something like we're in japan and this really is four thousand years later and like this is insane you know and so they keep on their adventure to keep going to where they're going yuzuri has toe was still petrified uh and so they had to unpetrify it um, and when they unpetrified it all of the cracks that were in the stone of her toe actually healed and you'll notice on all of the characters faces on everyone that was revived from everyone that was petrified faces, they have like black marks along their faces and bodies and stuff. Yusriha actually doesn't have any on her face, but um, she does have them on her shoulders and arm um, of where the stone was broken. And, uh, but then once the, they were unpetrified, all of their internal injuries and injuries that would have happened because of the cracks in the stone form and heal as these black lines and it's a really cool um animation bit to it oh i like it so it was cool you know what intrigues it- me about yuzuriha's uh character's design mm-hmm. her headphones yeah they survived yeah and they made it look like just like a stone Mm-hmm. think so i don't know like i was i was intrigued by that character design choice because like i don't i hope the manga explains <laughs> like i want to see her called out for that because how out of all the technology is that the one thing that stayed well there was another girl later on where you get to see sukasa's kind of um set up later on where there's another girl that has been revived that also has the same set of headphones. She's the one that's like lying in the bed, lounge around that one. Mm-hmm. She has the same set of headphones and it's the same thing where they have gone to stone and they're behind her her ears. That I don't know if they're headphones or like a headband. I'm not sure what they are because they're not on 
there is? That like behind there, uh, right? That behind there is? No, I think it's like over their ears. Is it over their ears? I don't know. I think, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to have another look at them. Um, but yeah, hers survived as well. So, and hers were also stone. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe they just got petrified because their clothes didn't get petrified and their clothes rotted away, which is why they wake up naked. Um, because their clothes didn't get petrified, but those headphones did. But yeah, it confirms that the black marks across them were the cracks in the stone. Uh, oh, also, Senki looks like he's wearing eyeliner because of the way that his cracks work. And that always just, I don't know, I enjoyed that. Uh, he's like a little bit emo because of the eyeliner. So emo. Um, <laughs> So emo. And yeah, so the unpetrification also reconnects the cracks and the injuries underneath. Senku reveals that their plan is to make gunpowder. Um, so Tsukasa finds their abandoned camp and their hurriedly left tracks, or hurriedly, um, and makes the connection that they were heading to, yeah, Hakone, uh, to make gunpowder. Dude's actually pretty smart. Like he's, he understands a lot more about basic chemistry than I think I would if I were in his shoes. And so he follows after them uh, because Senku needs the sulfur from there. So he figures out, he just knows the recipe to gunpowder that um, you need the the sulfur and then the nitric acid and the uh, seashells they crushed up to make it. I don't know. He He's just aware of that. That wasn't in my knowledge. Him, big brain, before. him know how work. Yeah. <laughs> right? He has researched gunpowder. Also, We'll say this show uses accurate scientific information. These are actual recipes to make these actual things. Please don't mess around with chemistry. It's very, very dangerous. Yeah, disclaimer. Don't be stupid, stupid. Yeah, like unspoken rule number 37. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Um, and yeah, so he follows after them and he figures out the Senku needs sulfur. And that is the end of episode three. Episode four, fire the smoke signal. While Senku is collecting sulfur, Yuzuriha and Taiju are having a conversation in the hot spring um, with their backs towards each other and a bamboo board separating them. But they're naked. Um, and they're having a conversation where um, the bastard half confesses. I'm so mad at him. Okay. Because his little pea brain decides that... He wouldn't be a man if he were to confess his love in the Stone Age. And I understand why, because I guess it could be like an aspect of like manipulation. Like I'm the only guy here. You, like we're close friends, like you, like other than Senku and and that dude. But it's like, I I don't want to pressure you into anything because we're kind of set back to the Stone Age and stuff. And I don't want to like put you in an awkward situation. But also like, he's big dumb. Oh yeah. Like just, just, she knows. So just tell She's her. She's known for yeah, forever. Just tell her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it seems like when he... Because he actually said, for five years, I've... Then they've, like, petrification, right? So she knows that it's something about, this is a feeling that I've had five years ago. He's basically told her I like you in this, in this situation. He says, I'm not going to tell you how I feel about you, but I feel a certain way. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, you just told me, but you told me by not telling me, you know? So it's like, and then he's like, oh, you probably don't know what I'm going on about. And I'm like, and she's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're going on about, you idiot. I'm so <laughs> mad at him for this because, like, it was just so frustrating. But yeah, I get it because, like, I understand how that could be a manipulation thing. But he is so oblivious to the fact that she is also crushing on him big time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. 
He's fine. Yeah, I just put, but he's fine telling her in his thoughts. He's fine telling her that he he had her in his thoughts for three thousand seven hundred years. Yeah, like honestly, I would be more scared about telling her that than telling her that I liked her. Like, could you imagine going up to someone and being like, "Yeah, I really, really like you. I've liked you for the past five years. Like, I I want to go out with you." But then, oh yeah, um, I managed to stay conscious because I was turned to stone. But I managed to stay conscious because I was thinking you of you every second of every day for three thousand seven hundred years. Like, what would you be more scared of telling someone about? Like. <laughs> He's fine telling yeah. it like that. Uh, but we've already established he's not the brightest cookie in the box. No, I would be so, like, I would not want to tell someone that I was obsessively thinking over them for nearly 4,000 years. Like, that, I would not, I, I would not tell someone that. That would be kept secret. Oh, yeah, like, that's, that's the last thing that you would, <laughs> that's the last thing you want to tell somebody. <laughs> yeah, that is how you turn into a big creep stalker terrifying weirdo but he's like oh no i'll tell her about that but i'm not gonna tell her that i'm in love with her um okay okay dude uh <laughs> so mad so then but anyways senku gets cooking up his sulfur charcoal charcoal and potassium nitrate he made the potassium nitrate from the nitric acid from the caves and he adds some sugar from the grapes as a kick and bam gunpowder taiji blows up a whole load of the gunpowder because he is too strong for his own good and throws a rock at it um just cash and because of that, now they have a giant smoke signal. Funsies! Um, and Senku then reveals that he doesn't actually plan to attack Tsukasa with the gunpowder, uh, but he wants to strike a deal with him instead. But he is prepared to fight if need be. The smoke from their explosion sparks a smoke signal from the forest, um, which is real kind of weird, uh, because according to them, they should be the only three people alive, and the four- why would Tsukasa send up a smoke signal? Like, he's not gonna let them know that he's coming, four people alive, I can count. And so they're like, oh, oh boy, like, is there somebody else out there? Was somebody else unpetrified hundreds of years ago? What's the situation with that? But they don't really get to explore properly about that, because they decide that they're gonna light up more smoke signals for- keep the, the smoke going for the smoke signals in return. Um, and Taiju goes to go check it out, but the other two stay with the smoke fire. <laughs> Sukasa figures out that Senku purposely withheld the fourth way to use calcium carbonate and ends up catching up with them whilst Taiju is off collecting wood for the smoke signal and checking out that other smoke signal that was in, in the trees. He takes Yuzuriha hostage and dramatic hair slice, um, and <laughs> yeah, her hair gets cut off. And Senku has to give up the recipe for the revival fluid to save her life. Senku's care for his friends is his weakness, and Yuzuriha ends up putting herself in the way purposefully to try and stop him. But Taiju sees, uh, yeah, Taiju sees the three forest signals as a response to theirs and ends up running back to the duo to tell them about the fact that there are now three forest signals. Um, as opposed to just the original one. And when he runs back there, he sees uh, Tsukasa trying to get Senku to give up science for for life. But Senku can't do that. He can't give him his word. Childhood flashback. Um, Senku is a childhood genius. Taiju um, is all bronze, uh, has no brains. And yet Taiju, when, Taiju runs back to camp. It is revealed that uh, Tsukasa is like, oh, Senku, I may, you may have been my very first friend. And then there's like kind of a, an emotional flashback bit where they try and make you feel bad for Tsukasa, who's just about to kill uh, Senku. And then, next snap, Senku dead. End of episode four. What did you think at the end of episode four? Well, 
<clears throat> I mean, it's a shonen. So therefore, what's a shonen if you don't kill off your protagonist at least once? <laughs> <laughs> or True. in Dragon Ball's case, what's a shonen if you don't kill off your <laughs> main character at least 37 times? Yeah, uh, every episode, please just kill him. But, Just for fun things. Yeah, I was like, oh, they're going to bring him back, but I'm really interested to see how they bring him back. Yes. Yeah, I, in my head, there was absolutely no doubt that they were going to bring him back as well. Because um, they try and make you feel real sad about it in the beginning of the next episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, this is where I was like, oh, they're trying to make me cry. But it didn't work. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but one, I did think that it was very smart how they set it up from the previous episodes, and we will get into that while discussing this next episode. Episode five, Stone World, the beginning. Uh, and it's, yeah, you may have become my first friend. Uh, Taiju loses his shite um, and picks up a boulder. But nah, just kidding, he's actually all come and collected. He lobs the boulder up into the air, and Yuzuriha throws the basket of gunpowder into- gunpowder? Powder? Gunpowder into the air too. And uh, the gunpowder poofs out, the stone hits the ground, explodes the gunpowder from the rocks, and uh, they run off with Senku, the two run off with Senku. Which I thought was strange, because in my understanding, Tsukasa was going to, like, let them go. I don't know why they had to run off right now. Because Tsukasa turned his back on them and said, you ought to go bury him and give him a proper send-off as his friends. So I feel like he would have just let them walk away now that Senku's dead and the other two aren't a threat to him. Right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. That was really dramatic, and I don't feel like it needed to be. I agree. Like, I feel like they would have just let him, he would have just let them walk off. Yeah. Because that that kind of like, I was like, you just wasted all that gunpowder and I'm fairly certain he would have just let you just walk away. I mean, maybe? I don't know. He might have tried to recruit them then. But like, he was going to at least give them time to bury him alone. But also, I think they like, they had planned on trying to save him or revive him in some shape, form or fashion. So they wanted to do that so they could at least... Like, take his body and make that attempt. Because I'm sure if they tried to revive him in front of him, he might have just killed no, him. No, but too. like, but they could have just, like, I feel like that Taiju could have just picked him up and just walked off and just been like, fine, we'll deal with him. And just picked him up and, like, even ran off with his body. I don't think that Tsukasa would have followed them. I don't know. Maybe it's just my opinion. But in my opinion, it felt like Tsukasa was giving them space to do what they needed to do with Senku, who's their beloved friend who has just been murdered. And they then make a huge distraction that they didn't do to kill him. Because that was another thing. I was like, oh, well, maybe they did it to explode the gunpowder to hopefully kill him. But they they then later reveal that they knew that he wasn't going to die from the explosion. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too picky, but I felt like that was unnecessary. Look, banana. It's a shonen. <laughs> it's... It's a shonen. That's all I can say. It's it's a shonen. Oh, I, I guess there's just, there's so much logic in the show that because of the logic, it makes me pick apart the things that are illogical, you know? <laughs> it's going like, to have yeah, its quirks. Like, if it doesn't follow some anime tropes, then is it really yeah. anime? Right. Like, if you don't have, I think like, that's... buff grandpa, is it really an anime? <laughs> True. Um, but I feel like, you know, for like a, an anime that is set completely in fantasy, not that this isn't completely in fantasy because it's about stone petrification of humans, but like, if it's like for Demon Slayer, I've got such a leeway of just being like, oh, well, it's just in that world. That's the way that it works. But because this is our world and there's so much basis in science, 
anything that there is, anytime that there's something that feels off, I think it sticks out more. And I think it means that they have to be even more careful about those kinds of things. Well, if anything, though, then you could honestly look at that as them, like, just acting irrationally due to being due to angry over their, yeah, due to grief. Yeah. So you could just put sense. it off on that as well. Okay. I'll I'll put it aside as grief. But I still don't like it. Because even <laughs> like though wasted gunpowder, even though Taiju was just like, "Look, I'm thinking clearly." Nah, fam. No, you're not. No, <laughs> Your best wasn't. friend Absolutely. and person who brought you back from being petrified, so you can revive your girlfriend. You're you're thinking with grief. Yeah, yeah. So then there is a flashback to Taiju remembering a time when they took a psychological quiz for funsies. Um, and the psychological quiz was like, um, if you could say, if you, your girlfriend and your best friend were trapped in a car on fire and you could only save one person, who would you choose? And they're all like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who I could choose between my girlfriend and my best friend. Uh, all being self-sacrificial. And Seiko's just like, nah fam, I'm going to save all three of us because I am mad skills with science. Um, and so he was like fully intent on not choosing one person um and so then they start thinking about like his neck and the fact that he had this weird habit um where he would like crack his neck and he never had that before he was revived in the stone world so like oh that's a weird habit and he was drawing a lot of attention to his neck because of that um and so they look at his neck and when they see they see that over his second vertebrae which is the vertebrae that you need to crack to break the um spinal cord to kill someone, um, was actually still petrified. He had a patch of petrification on the second vertebrae, just like um, she had on her toe. Yuzuriha had on her toe. Uh, it was still there was still some left over. So they pour some of the revival juice on it, and it cracks. And yeah, then before you find out whether or not it worked, because to be honest, it could have just cracked and he just stayed dead. You go through. And find out about the six months before um, Senku woke, well, Taiju woke up. Um, and you find out about him being a shiny skinned monkey. Um, and you find out the fact that the day that he woke up was April 1st, 5738, year zero. You find out about uh, him gathering materials. My stomach is growling so loud. Uh, stomach John, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> you find out about him gathering materials, making fire, being a legit caveman, acquiring stone, rope, uh, fire, food, clothing, and shelter, no longer being a shiny monkey because he now has clothes. Um, and yeah, and it's and it, it's a real big flashback to him in these first initial six months before um Kaiju wakes up and it's actually really fascinating to see and they did it really really funny because they did it through the eyes of the monkeys that are in the trees that are like watching him and that's why he's a shiny monkey because they're like why is this monkey bald um and you get to see him trying and failing at like making stone tools and uh trying to make fire with two sticks but like making fire with two sticks is really hard um it's much easier to make it with rope and uh two sticks and a plank um and yeah, so uh, I don't know. It was cool to see that. And it was kind of a little montage of him getting ready for that. And that is the end of episode five. But you don't even know if he survived or not during episode five. If you're watching this week to week, that would have been frustrating. Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so loud. So loud. My stomach is 
Honestly. Stomach churn. I ate, I ate right before we started recording because I'm like, my stomach's going to be loud. That's a lie because it took us like an hour to start recording. Oh, that's true. That's true because we were working on the spreadsheet. Yep. I su- was supposed to have eaten <laughs> like right before we started, but then we were working on other stuff. Look, we talked about it last week. We typically start off with just shooting the shit and it turned into, oh, hey, let's plan out the next three months worth of recording. <laughs> Honestly, it was very unexpected, but I feel like we, we, we feel were like we really productive. more than we set out to do. <laughs> yeah. It was a really good thing for us to do. Oh, yeah, because this is something we've talked about doing since we've started this thing. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't actually done it, so this is this is the most productive we've been. We've planned out more than we've already done <laughs> at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I we have got some exciting stuff coming, you guys. Yada! So. Yada! Anyway, episode six, Two Nations of the Stone World. Senku is struggling with everything he needs for daily survival. Oh, okay. You wake up in a stone world. What is the very first thing that you do? You're alone. Nobody around. We talked about your first luxury, but what would be the very first thing that you would do? Like, survival. Shelter, water, and then food. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially considering your region. Yeah, it depends on what time you revive, where you're at, what time of year that it is. Because if you wake up and it's midday to closer to evening, shelter's definitely priority. Yeah. And especially if it's like spring or fall, whenever it's not as hot, so you're not going to dehydrate as quickly. Mm -hmm. So I feel like shelter would be the most important thing, because if it gets cold, you're going to die faster than you're going to dehydrate or starve. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, is he, he woke up on April 1st, which for me here in Canada would mean that there is still snow on the ground and it's probably around minus 10. So if I'm naked in minus 10, my first priority is fire. But then at that point, is it still snowing? No, it wouldn't be... uh, Yeah, it it wouldn't be snowing in April. It would just be maintaining the cold snow. So I don't have to worry about water. But I'd absolutely have to worry about hypothermia because, yeah, I I would be very on the fast track to that. So I'd be sticking in the sun because it would be long sunny days by then. So it would probably be fairly warm in the sun. In April, it's pretty warm in the sun. Um, so I'd be sticking out of the shade and I'd be making sure that I had fire and shelter for the night. Well, also, Senku got to choose, like, when he revived. So kind of, yeah. You, yeah. you, I mean, technically, you could have, like chosen to revive like now whenever it's warmer Mm -hmm. so i don't know it depends on what logic you want to go with but yeah like shelter or warmth however you want to look at it and then water and then food yeah if i was in if it was winter i wouldn't worry about water because i'd be surrounded by snow you're surrounded by snow so look at all the (laughs) look (laughs) at all the clean water that you have access to um whereas for me i have to like i have to go find crystal clear streams and hope i don't die yeah you don't want to find a stream with nothing with something dead up upstream that's not good other than again i do live next to mountains so there's like plenty of streams i guess that i could go get water from yeah i'd probably head towards the mountains i'm in the prairies so i probably head towards the mountains if i was gonna like move i would go towards the mountains and I would try and find a glacial stream. Like, there's a river that's near me that's glacial water runoff from the mountains. So all I'm hearing is, is we definitely need to take these survival classes. I would love to do that, to be honest. Like, I would love to be dropped off somewhere and just be like, hey, survive for a week. We'll keep checking on you. Like, like that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. 
No, that's right up my alley. I want to test all of my my Boy Scout skills from back in my childhood. I have no Boy Scout skills. All I have is a hatchet and guns. (laughs) I don't have any guns. I've got a hatchet, I've got an axe, I've got flint and steel. I've got anything you need in a survival kit except for guns. So I can take care of meat procuring and then you can take care of everything else. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. I'll set up a snare. (laughs) We'll see if we catch anything. (laughs) Rabbits! Um... (laughs) But anyway, Be so thank you. Very quiet. We're hunting wabbits. We're hunting wabbits. Um, <laughs> Seku is struggling to get everything he needs for daily survival. He digs up a statue. So he's like, ah, I need some, I need some beef to help me out here. So he digs up a statue close to him, which just so happens to be Taiju. He's like, I know this muscly hand that's sticking out of the earth here. Dig him up, and then he's like, ah, oh, my dude, that's Taiju. I've seen enough of your face for a lifetime, but I'm going to revive you anyways. So he tries to think of what caused the purification. His options are aliens, warfare, or a bacteria slash virus. Uh, if you ask me, aliens. <laughs> um, I, I think it's warfare. Warfare? I think that but could I be. But like, I don't think it was like necessarily like another country. I think it was a company. But still, like technically, or I don't think it would be warfare technically. I think it would be terrorism, I guess. Right, okay, yeah. Well, you do find out later where it originated from geographically. Yeah, it originated in South America, Mm -hmm. I think is where they said it originated from. But yeah, I think that still technically classifies as terrorism, considering it wasn't like at one specific country, it was like at the whole world, I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know how you would classify it. Yeah, Let us know how you would classify it. (laughs) (laughs) A mistake. Um... Um, and yeah, he confirms the fact that it seems like only swallows and humans are the guys that were affected, like other birds weren't affected, and other animals weren't affected. Um, and that they are stone all the way through. Uh, so he wasn't revived due to deterioration from an outside or an external factor. So he discovers that the cause, uh, that the cave nearby, the nitric with the nitric acid that was dripping down from the cave um, actually were the things that broke up his petrification but it doesn't work on other statues because like he he grabbed a bit of the petrification that was left on the back of his neck and he put it under the nitric acid and it shattered so he's like oh cool i'll just try that on the other statues but it doesn't seem to work on other statues so he tries to think about why um, and then he figures out the fact, well, he, he realizes that the, the difference between him and the other statues was the fact that he was conscious throughout those 3,700 3, years. And because the brain burns around 400 calories per day over 3,700 years, that's two terajoules, I guess. Where, science, me no like. <laughs> right, science. Um, where, uh, and where did the energy come from, come from for the brain to be able to burn through those calories? Uh, like he, he had to have been consuming it from somewhere. E equals MC squared. Um, yeah, energy and mass have an equivalent exchange. And thus, Senku was, figures out that he was able to absorb nutrients somehow from the stone to power his brain usage. Consequently, dissolving the stone and turning himself back to human from the inside out, weakening it and allowing it to be fragile enough for the nitric acid alone to break through the remaining petrification that is the shell on the surface of his flesh. Senku then decides that Taiju was also a conscious because there's no way that a big idiot wouldn't be thinking about the confession that he almost had for 3,700 years. So he's like, okay, you're also conscious. So you're going under the nitric acid too. 
um, and he calls him to wake up. And this is where they do that weird, like, I'm calling you to wake up. And then it flashes back to the present where Senku is supposedly dead and Taiju is the one that's calling Senku to wake up. And they're overlapping kind of filmography thing, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, of course you do. You watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> um... And, uh, so, flashback to present. Senku wakes up. Main character survives. Shock. Yuzuriha. Big shock. Oh, I know, right? I'm stunned. Uh, Yuzuriha gives Senku, um, a hide that looks like a rocket in stars. Kind of. Also looks a little bit like a dick. Because rockets <laughs> are phallic objects. And I can't think not like a seven-year-old. All, all, all that you've... <laughs> thought from episode two is just dicks it's just dicks everything is just dicks um bollocks no dicks no dicks um, but uh, we do know that yuzuriha does not have a dick that is true we did learn that although in anime it's debatable um <laughs> that's a topic for another time <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll get to an anime about that at some point, but yeah, actually, ReZero. Yeah, ReZero. I was going to say, we I com- definitely- I forgot about that one. We we have definitely- that's Felix, right? Yep, Felix. Yeah, yeah we've ran into a couple of those before. Um, <laughs> this, I took a, a- oh no, I don't know if I did take a screen cap of it. There's a moment in this anime that's really funny. When the boys are joking about the worst thing that could happen to them was to have to hug each other for warmth. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh my god, it's so funny because the way, uh, it, like, that is a meme in itself, that image of just being, like, um, uh, of them, like, being horrified and picturing two of them, like, hugging together with little hearts around it. It's so funny. Oh, it makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, because they were just like, the worst thing that could have happened is we could have, uh, <laughs> is that you could have died. <laughs> And then Senku is just like, no, the worst thing that could happen is we could have got colder and colder and colder until we would have had to uphold each other to preserve warmth. Oh my god, it's funny. I actually wrote notes on that because I was dying laughing at how, <laughs> and how that is such a typical teenage boy thing to say. You know, like it you really for- is. You forget that these guys are high schoolers until you get to that point and you're like, okay, yeah, like. You know, like, they they have that sense of humor, and it's really funny. Honestly, like, I kind of kept that in my head throughout the entire show, because they kept, like, making decisions that came across as, like, slightly immature. Yeah. Just like, ah, it makes sense, because of how old they are. Yeah, they're high schoolers. Totally. I think they actually do really well at making Senku a genius, but also immature as fuck. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But also, I was humored, because, wait, I just, I lost my train of thought gone out the window off the tracks oh yeah because they're high schoolers but it's 57 38 so it's like what yeah yeah they're they're like 3716 years old hey on the bright side though legal drinking age <laughs> right yeah it, that's 20 in japan isn't it legal drinking age i don't know i think so i think it's 20 in japan it's 21 in the States, right? Yes. And then it's 19 and 18, depending on which province you're in, in Canada. 18 for me. Ah, look at you go. Mm-hmm. 18 in the UK, too. Uh, Yuzuriha, uh, yeah, gives, gives Senku the, the hype that looks like a dick rocket. Um, and, and, <laughs> dick um, rocket. 
they end up uh, kind of, this is where like, you get the name of the inn. Um, uh, Taiju just goes, huh. So the stone, like the petrification of the stone kind of fixes all the wounds underneath. It's like Dr. Stone, name of the show in the thing. <laughs> um, and then Seku gives Yuzuriha a, um, a secret mission, uh, a grueling secret mission. Um, and uh, Sukasa thinks, yeah, Sukasa thinks that Senku is now dead. Um, and so, so because of that, they now have an advantage in the war that Senku is now going to initiate, uh, because Sukasa thinks that he's dead. So they're gonna have a war between the two of them because Sukasa wants everyone dead. Senku doesn't want everyone dead and they've but- butted heads. And so they're gonna have a war. And so what he, what he decides to do is send off the other two, um, Yuzuriha and Taiju because they, like, that's a logical decision for them to make is to go find Tsukasa again now that Senku is supposedly dead. Um, and they can end up being spies for Senku later on. And Senku is going to find the people who lit those fires in the forest and see if he can get ally, make allies with them and start up the kingdom of science to then have this big battle of war between the two nations. Um, but, I want to know what your thoughts are on the possible, on the secret mission that Senku gives to Yuzuriha that he says is really grueling that only she can do because of her skills as a craft maker. I honestly thought it was literally just keep Taiju from blowing their cover. Really? Okay. Because I think that he is, I don't know how accurate this is, but in my head... I think that he might be trying to get her to figure out a way to put the statue pieces back together again. See, I don't, because I don't know. Yeah, that's what I got from that, is that because she's the craft maker and because when you depetrify, it should heal them. But like, it doesn't work if the stone's detached, but if they can figure out a way to reattach the stone together... Would it heal it? I don't know. That's what See, that's like, what I thought. Because according to Senku's logic, like once you kill them, they're dead. Mm-hmm. So if you break off their head, like they're dead. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they would ever be able to like actually Revive fix that. Them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, then again, like I said, I've seen that episode five times now at this point, mm-hmm. and I keep coming to the same conclusion of he's just like make sure that Taiju doesn't ruin everything. I don't know if that would have been enough for them to have muted it though, for us to not have heard it. Like as a filmmaker's from a filmmaker's perspective, like do you think that they would have made the active decision to not have those lines spoken out loud with it just being something as simple as keep an eye on him? I mean, I guess it would make sense just for like the case of Senku just not trusting Taiju to not blow his cover. That's true. Yeah. Cause like it's easily seen throughout the show that like He's big stupid. Well, not only that, but Senku like isn't very trusting of people. Yeah. Because, like, even the people that he, like, quote-unquote, trusts most, like, he'd still, like, rather do it himself than put it off on somebody else just to be safe. And Yuzuriha is really the only person that could keep Taiju, like, reeled in. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but that's, I I kind of, I felt like there was something there. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to wait for season two to see. Either that or he... (laughs) told her to like get as close to Sukasa as possible because yeah, he is true. like he is having them be spies so yeah it could potentially just be a case of you know do whatever you gotta do to earn his trust to get information yeah yeah i don't know i don't know we'll see 
So then Sukasa then uh, runs, he ends up running into the smoke signal setter, who's actually a young wild girl of a primitive people. She attacks him because she saw that what he did on the mountain uh, supposedly killed Senku. And um, Sukasa ends up seeing no reason to kill her. Um, so he traps her under a tree trunk and heads to the cave of the nitric acid because he just wants to get back to the cave as quickly as possible so that he can have kind of control over it just in case Senku was um, still alive because he's very doubt-filled. He does not believe that Senku died even though he supposedly killed him with his own hands by hitting his second vertebrae um, and supposedly shattering his cervical cervical nerve? Cervical? Is that what it is? The, I feel like it is. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know. I never took anatomy, okay? Um, <laughs> and... Um, so he runs off to the cave. Uh, Senku is actually pretty nearby and he hears the tree fall. And so he runs to go and help her. And once she states that she's fine, other than being trapped, Senku gets to work on making a pulley and lifts the trunk off of her. It takes like all day, but he manages to get this giant contraption set. Um, and life saved. So now they're best buds. Um, and Kohaku ends up being her name and she becomes pretty dang important. Um, and then that is where episode six ends. Episode seven, I just punched myself on the headphone and it sounded really hollow in my ear. Don't do that. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend. Yeah, no, no that, that's bad. Um, where two million years have gone. Um, yeah, they already start bickering, like <laughs> right off the bat. Best friends, now we're bickering. Um, but isn't that what best friends she's allied- do? That's exactly, right? Um, She's allied with him and wants to introduce him to her people, specifically one person. Um, and before she goes back to the, to the village and takes him back to introduce him to everyone, she actually has to go to the hot springs so that she can get some of the water from the hot springs to take back to her sick sister. Um, and, uh, Senku decides that he wants to help her out with that, but he is not able to because he's a big weakling. <laughs> The bridge guards actually won't let him enter the village, though, because he is an outsider. So he decides that he's going to blow some bubbles to freak them out with the soap that he made earlier. I was so and humored with that. Like, it, it's so funny. It absolutely killed me. And then the fact for the dub that Ginro is voiced by the same one who does Midoriya, mm-hmm. I was, it, it absolutely killed me throughout the entire mm-hmm. show from that point on because like I, I can't take this character seriously anymore right i know well you can't take Kinro seriously anyway uh, yeah that that's also true but you can't take Kinro seriously either because rules are the rules rules are rules yes uh so Kinro and Kinro are the two brothers that guard the um suspension bridge because the island that the village is on is actually two islands it's in the middle of a big lake and they're like high up islands they're like, I mean, they're in a mountain range, so everything's tall. Um, and yes, yeah, so there's like suspension bridges that are hanging between the islands. Um, and yeah, they won't let Senku onto the bridge because he is an outsider. But da, 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 Chrome arrives, who is a super smart genius sorcerer. And he challenges Senku to a battle of sorcery. Um, and he is actually the person that Kohaku wanted to introduce him to in the village. Um, because yeah, she believes that Senku is a sorcerer because they've never heard of science. Jesus Christ, stomach. Um, <laughs> stomach chan. Right? Um, Senku, uh, Chrome has spent his whole life collecting weird rocks and other things. Um, and he was actually nearing 17th century technology while supposedly being primitive um, because of the things that he was collecting. 
And so they bond over um, science together after Senku absolutely destroys Chrome in the Battle of Sorcery, which wasn't actually sorcery at all. It was very basic. As Senku says, elementary school science. Um, And then the arithmetic uh, battle. Like, that set of animation killed me. (laughs) It was so funny. It's like, challenge me to arithmetic. And uh, he's like, there's one thing I'll never fail at. And then it's, you just see the two of them. And then Chrome just get crushed by, like, quadratic formulas. Oh, yeah. Formulas that I'm not even familiar with. And I was just like, I I have no idea about it. Oh, my God. Like, it's so bad. It was really funny. Um, And, yeah, so then... uh, Chrome kind of ends up becoming um, Senku's kind of apprentice, I guess, even though Chrome was hoping that Senku would become his apprentice. Uh, it ended up flipping on his head. and uh, But he's actually really, really smart when you consider the fact that he was living in the Stone Age and he was coming up with stuff that it took humanity 1.75 million years to be able... So he's really, really smart and very, very advanced for what he is, but he's just not at Senku's level who had the teachings of, like, modern technology, right? And, oh, everyone in the village is named after some kind of science thing. (laughs) So, like, Kinro and Ginro are actually gold and silver, and I'm assuming that's because Kinro, well, Kinro's gold in, like, Kin, I think, is gold in Japanese, and Gin is still, I don't know, I'm not familiar, but, um... Yeah, everyone is named after sciencey stuff. So, like, there's like a jasper and an emerald and and like everyone else. So, I'm assuming that everyone in the village is. And they're just if you hear a Japanese name, it's probably a Japanese element or metal or something that has an English alternative that I just am not familiar with, and they didn't explain. Then you had Suika. Which oh yeah, Suika. Is yeah. <laughs> um, Suika is the only only one that isn't. Suika's best girl, though. She 100%. is so cute. Um, so yeah, they end up, uh, going and exploring, um, his cave where he's, like, collected all of this stuff. And, um, they are, they're completely bonding over it. And so, to kind of make a good impression on Kimro, who is rules are rules, um, they make, they combine some mercury and gold from Chrome's hut and, uh, dip his spear tip into it. And make him a gold spear that he is very pleased with, despite his um, attempts, best attempts, and not being so pleased with it, and just uh, uh, following the rules. And then we learn that the reason why Chrome has been collecting all of these things is to make Ruri better, who is Kohaku's older sister and the priestess of the village. Chrome is crushing big time on her. What is it with guys and not admitting their feelings in this show? Um, not that I mean, I mean, what is it with guys and not admitting their feelings in any anime, but also real life? It's true. And I will also say that the girls do have opportunities to admit their feelings to the guys and don't. So I hold them to the same standards. But I, I think it's just because you're following the guy's storyline more than you're following the girl's storyline. You want them to make the initiative. But I will also say, ladies, if you're crushing on a guy out there, feel free to make a move yourself, you know? 21st century. We are lady. It's yeah, not, not the 21st century in this, though. I don't know what century it is. I'm not that good at maths. Uh, 58th century. Oh, uh, sure. But, <laughs> like, are you just going to go with it? I could just spout it off any nonsense, you although it is 58th century. Anyway, yeah, not only that, guys, we're we're big dumb. Like, we don't catch hints. Like, you gotta, you gotta be honest. 
take take it from a guy like we big dumb. You know what's funny though? I have been called one of the most oblivious people in the world uh, quite a few times because of that. Because I just don't see it. So not huh. just guys, sometimes gals too. If you like someone, just tell them you like them. What's the worst that can yeah, happen? Just be honest. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, but he's tr- he is crushing hard on Ruri, and Senku tells Chrome about the old world, and the Science Bros, they decide that they're going to team up, and that is the end of episode seven. Episode eight is Stone Road. Is that a song, Stone Road? I feel like that's the name of a song. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, there's Rolling Stone, which I think is a uh, Billy Joel. That's a band. I don't know. The village has heard about the new arrival and that he isn't allowed inside the village. Um, and so they're all like spreading rumors about him. And like, there's some girls that are like, oh, is it cute? And there's some guys that are like, I'm going to beat him uh, because stereotypes. And, and Senku is starting on the path to making an antibiotic to hopefully help Ruri. He decides to go for a sulfur drug because the mold that's used for penicillin is like really, really, really rare. Um, and whereas a sulfur drug, like you can make pretty easily so long as you have all of the ingredients for it. Whereas penicillin, you just kind of have to hope that that specific uh, beefy mold is around to help. So... Chrome is end up being taught science from the very beginning, include the fact that the world is the thing that's moving. And that is when they realize the North North Star has actually moved because the Earth has shifted on its axis. And Chrome knew that it wasn't true North because of the fact that he found a magnetic rock, which he put into water and made a compass out of. And so they find, uh, they grab the magnetic rocks and they take them to a stream um, around by a cave where that's got, like, it's a magical cave with every single iron or piece of metal that you could ever dream of. Anything you could dream of is inside this cave, okay? So just bear that in mind. Um, Convenient. It's so convenient. (laughs) Um, And so they grab these magnetic rocks and they go downstream and they start picking up this black sand, which has the iron in it. Acquired iron sand. A watermelon comes to help. Sweeker interjection. Um, and they seem um, to know strange pop culture references and animals that aren't native. And so Senku's like, what the heck? Like, why do you know this pop culture reference? Why do you know uh, about apes that aren't in Japan? Like, what do you know? Like, how do you know about gorillas? Um, and they say that they learned them from Ruri. And so now Senku is like, okay, who is this Ruri chick, the priestess? What is she up to? What does she know? So they end up figuring out, well, Senku says that four parts iron sand, one part coal and bake. And that is how they manage to get, um, oh yeah. And then they want to put that in a kiln and blow like hell for 30 hours. But it failed due to the lack of manpower and the fact that they can't squeeze them air compressors fast enough. Um, because, you know, 30 hours of constant blowing like hell, uh, without any manpower. Yeah, not gonna happen. So it fails. They can't actually make iron from the iron sand and the coal. So Kimro and Ginro um, are almost on their side. They just need that little bit more of a push. So they send out Suika, the Sherlock detective, to go and find out some more information on the villagers um, to get them on their side. And Senku decides that he is going to use food science to get them on their side. And what food must they have in an anime to be able to get people onto their side, to bond over, to allow people to be the best of buds and to forge alliances? You guessed it correct. Everybody knows what it is. It is the power of ramen. Aww. Aww, I wanted it to be burgers. Aww. (laughs) 
I feel like I need like the power of ramen shirt, so like a the power of ramen jingle because like it's used so much in anime. We need to make a sound clip of like the power of ramen, and then it's I like better just like turn it into merch. Turn it right, just have like because honestly, have like how many animes use ramen as like a, a fix all? If everything's going to crap, just eat some ramen. It's fine. Um, and so yeah, they go onto the 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 mission to make some ramen. They'll grab some, they grab some foxtail millet and they mix it with some other stuff and they grind it all up. They make some flour out of it and uh, they make some ramen. And Senku's like, this is disgusting. But everyone else loves it because of the fact that he's never had anything like it to compare it to. But Senku's like, this is gross. Like, we need wheat flour. Like, what is this? Um, but that ends up being episode eight. Yeah, I really feel like we needed the power of ramen jingle. Yes. <laughs> episode nine, let there be the light of science. The villagers come over to the ramen cart, um, and someone from the forest sneaks into the party. The chief is grumpy, shock, um, and this is when we meet Asagiri Jen again. Gen, Jen, Jen, Gen, Asagiri Gen. He is the stranger from the woods. He is a magician, or as he calls himself, a mentalist, who was a public figure back in the old world, and he has been revived by Sukasa. He claims that he was alone since the unpetrification and came up for the scent of ramen. Um, Senku puts everyone who ate the ramen to work to try and get this uh, kiln going to melt this iron. And where, whilst he has Gen working hard, um, he decides to poke at him and try and get some more information about the situation and why he's around. And Gen reveals that the other two are actually all okay, and that the tides have turned for him since seeing Senku's technology. And Gen's like, hey, maybe we can be buds, you know, because uh, that old dude, he wants me hunting all day, and you are making iron and ramen. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, And uh, yeah, he was sent to make sure that Senku was dead. And so they make iron successfully because of their increase in manpower, thanks to the ramen contract. And um, Senku reveals that he is planning to use it to make a generator. They need to have iron rods. Uh, they need to have the iron rods that they created struck with lightning to magnetize them. And da 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 anime logic, a storm rolls in. So struck with lightning, seems pretty easy. There's a storm overhead. Um, so they coat the rods in lacquer and wrap them in copper wire. When the village ogre, Magma, wants to pick a fight with Gen, uh, the mental, uh, when Gen the mentalist distracts them with disappearing flowers, because he's a magician and he takes some flowers in his hands and he makes them disappear and they're all like, oh my god, sorcery. And so they run off crying with a tail between the legs, except it's not really like that because Magma just kind of gets grumpy and storms off because he's actually 16. He's not though, he's, how old would you say Magma is? Uh, mid to late 20s maybe? Yeah, because he acts like a 16-year-old. But yeah, he I'd, I'd say that he's like an adult. I would say so, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he freaks them out enough to deter them. And then they climb to the top of the bald mountain um, and use Kinro's golden spear to secure the rod high enough into the ground. Lightning strikes the rod, um, magnetizing it, and successfully they created, acquired, powerful magnets. But... Uh, Kinro's spear, the golden spear, is completely destroyed and he is big sad. Poor Kinro. Um, so then, da, 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 Senku uses the magnetized rods to make a man-powered generator. Acquired dual-wheel 
manpower generator, um, they whack out some giant sheets of copper, whack out a bunch of other stuff, and Kimro and Gimro become their hamsters for the um, hand power generator. And then they end up making the Edison bulb, an Edison bulb, and it's like a really sweet moment where they're like, they have electricity and they light up the world and, and Sink is like, um, hey, Chrome, are you scared of the dark? And Chrome's like, yeah, it's, it's scary. And then um, Sink is like, well, um, there is no true darkness in my time. And then they connect it and it lights up and it's really beautiful and it's like a nice moment. Um, and yeah. I don't know. It's it up until this point there haven't been too many like moving moments, you know? It's a lot of funny, it's a lot of science, but there's not a lot of like moving moments. There's a couple in a in a flashback. But um and then when like Senku was revived. But um this was actually a really like aw kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And then they just like keep coming more and more. Oh, from yeah. this point on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Episode 10 is a flimsy alliance. One year and four months into the new world, Senku has created electricity. Um, and that's way faster than I would ever do it. I don't think I would ever create electricity uh, because I don't n- know how generators work. <laughs> nope, not in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. I actually asked my brother. My brother um, is very, very sciencey, And I asked him what he would create with his first luxury um, after he had uh, dealt with all the basic survival stuff he was thrown back to the Stone Age. And he just goes, oh, you know, a generator. And I'm just like, you and Senku, man. Like, <laughs> like it wouldn't Which have occurred to me. has your brother ever seen this show? No, he hasn't. He hasn't seen it. I did recommend him to watch it, though. Um, uh, so uh, if, if he does watch it or read the manga, I will give you guys an update on what he thinks of it. Because, yeah, he was a... Um, uh, when he was in university, he was really into studying sciences and, um, he's really big into like programming and stuff. Different areas than Senku, definitely, but he, um, yeah, he was like studying like C at like 13. Like, <laughs> my brother is not in my world of brain work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, apparently my brother and Senku both went, their heads went straight to generator. My head went to like windmill. Um, ramen. <laughs> ramen, yeah. Um, so then they end up having... Oh, yeah, they want to assure themselves that Gen is on their side. Flashback, Tsukasa reviving him. Um, he wanted Gen to work... Um, he wa- The reason why Tsukasa chose to revive Gen is because of the fact that he is, like, a psychology expert. That's why he considers himself a mentalist as opposed to a magician, because he works on manipulating people as opposed to tricking minds, which is a side effect of it. And that's how he makes his money. But his main priority is, like, his main interest is um, the psychological aspect, which is why earlier in the podcast I was talking about the fact that there isn't much psychological element to this show, but there is in his specific character because of the way that he works in manipulation. (laughs) Um, and so yeah, so there's a flashback to Tsukasa reviving him, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I enjoyed, I actually enjoy the way that this show is set up with the flashbacks to Tsukasa and the way that, cause like you don't see Tsukasa working now, you always see him like two months ago, you know, even right up to the very end. I think in only in the last episode do you see Tsukasa 
in the present. You always see him kind of in the past in flashbacks. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that. I thought it was cool because you're kind of like trying to figure out what he's doing in the in the moment. And then you get like a little piece of the puzzle to kind of put it together. But you don't actually know um, what he's got planned and what his world looks like until like the very last minute of this season. I thought it was pretty cool the way that they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, Magma actually attempts to murder Gen in the shadows of night because Gen's li- uh, but Gen's life was saved by blood packs. Um, so he had like made some like stage blood packs and he'd like shoved them in bandages wrapped around his body as like a protection thing because, like I said, psychology. Like who would have thunk of that? Him apparently. Um, yeah, Magma. Uh, Magma um, wanted to kill the magician the sorcerer that came into the village and because gen was the one that um uh like tricked him um he believed senku to be gen um and so when gen's like out in the woods he uh beats him up and stabs him with his um spear but because of the blood packs his life was actually saved but he was still pretty badly injured so now he now uh magma magma believes that he is the uh, most powerful one in the village and he can marry Ruri and become chief um, and then Kohaku actually reveals that she beat him in the last grand bout which is a fight for the priestess's hand and he's butt hurt because of it because uh, he was beat by the priestess's younger sister <laughs> uh, he doesn't actually care for Ruri at all and he wants her to die quickly after marrying her so that he can be free to be chief as he pleases but um, yeah when uh, when Kohaku actually overheard him vocalized that she entered the tournament herself and kicked his sorry ass the grand belt though will actually be held again soon actually next month because of the fact that obviously the priestess needs to be married so that she can produce more heirs to pass down these hundred tales of look i don't actually think we know about yet in the show i don't think those have been revealed but yeah the reason why ruri knows stuff is because of these hundred hundred tales so they decide that they want to stop magma from winning because they can't not be able to cut the medicine if he's married to her because obviously he wants her dead right off the bat so uh, kohaku begins training uh kinro and kinro to be able to fight magma um as they are the only ones that actually have training and could be strong enough to stand a chance so everyone's kind of like rip chrome like sorry chrome we know that you mad crushing on ruri but like you don't have a chance of winning this fight against magma so we're going to train up these guys and one of them are going to marry her soz um (laughs) and it's kind of really like sad because he's just like i'm just happy if she lives and we can heal her um even though he's like head over heels in love with her um but yeah it's kind of sad because he's just like doing everything he can to make sure that she lives uh, even if it means sacrificing his own happiness. Poor Chrome. Poor Gen Chrome. And, poor Chrome, right? Uh, Gen and Senko end up having a chat, but um, when everyone wakes up in the morning, the injured Gen has run off. Uh, to tell uh, to tell Tsukasa? We don't know. I don't know. What's he doing? Why did he run off? He's real injured. He just got stabbed with a spear, and off he ran after having a secret conversation with Senko that we don't know about. What's going on there, bud? Uh, <laughs> why do I feel like I'm on, like, major caffeine i haven't had that much caffeine today but i feel like i'm hyped um i think you've had more caffeine than i have which is disappointing because i need more caffeine caffeine um caffeine 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 caffeine. honestly caffeine yeah honestly caffeine um hashtag mood right uh 
Senku, um, does he, like, everyone's gonna chase after Gen, but Senku's like, nah, don't chase after him. He's on my side. He's cool. Um, and everyone's like, what, how do you know? Um, and then it flashes back to the night before when Gen asks Senku, can you make cola? Can you make cola, Senku-chan? Um, and Gen told, uh, and then it, Senku's like, yeah, fam, I can make you a cola. Like, I, I can do that. Um, so then Gen ends up running back and telling Sukasa about the village because he's like, the reason why I'm beat up is because I ran into some primitive villagers. Uh, but he's like, but now nah, Senku's dead. No sign of Senku. So we have an ally in Gen who is now a double agent, uh, on our side, all because a bottle of cola. <laughs> Umaru would be so proud over this. Right? What would you do for a cola? Trademark. 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 <laughs> Uh, Between that and ramen jingle, I think we're going to make a fortune. Right? Honestly. Except uh, that what would you do is for a Klondike bar. No. I don't so, know what you're talking about. I think uh, I think maybe we might have some issues with the legal team. Listen, as the legal team, <laughs> I can't advise this. <laughs> we'll have we'll have our guys talk to their guys. Yeah. We'll have our people talk to their people. We just send them gifts. <laughs> we send them cola <laughs> right? yeah um so episode 11 is called clear world and senku says that the next mission is glass um as it's insanely durable and can withstand high temperatures and many different chemicals suika's face is revealed uh we finally get to see it without I was going to say the pumpkin, without the pumpkin on. No, without the whole watermelon rind on. And uh, she's real, real cute. Until she's not real cute. Um, and She has the fuzzy sickness. Oh she no. has the fuzzy eye sickness. Yeah, so um, that's why she wears the watermelon rind. Because looking through the pinholes makes it easier for her to be able to see. And so Senku's like, man, you are nearsighted as all hell. Um, but don't worry, man. I can help you. Um, I don't know why I'm calling Suika a little girl man. But, you know. It's cool. Um, and so they go and get some quartz sand as Chrome knew, so, knew where some was because um, he like knows where all of the objects in his collection came from. And Senku is like looking around. He's like, oh, that's a quartz rock. Where'd you get that? And Chrome's like, over there, come with. And they went with and they found some quartz sand and they melted it down and they made some glass. But they combined it. They combined it. They combined it. Not combined it. Combined it with... Um, some calcium carbonate, 10% seashells, some cooked seaweed, 20%, and some lead, uh, which they didn't say the percentage of, so your girl doesn't know. And, um, and then they use a, uh, corundum rock to shape the glass, and they secure the lenses into Sweeker's watermelon, and they take her to a sunflower, sunflower shield, uh, she, oh my god, a sunflower field. <laughs> you good, fam? No, I feel like my lips have just <laughs> fallen off. Um, but yeah, they they uh, they shape the lenses. They take her to a sunflower field and they show her the world, a whole new world. And it's a really sweet moment. And they actually end up talking about this scene in the behind the scenes. And I found, ow, I just hit my elbow. Um, <laughs> I need to chill. Um, <laughs> but they talk about this scene in the behind the scenes and uh yeah we'll go into a little bit more but they actually mentioned the fact that they tried to limit the amount of music the amount of music the amount of lines in this scene 
and overplay it with music and add in more scenes for it to make it more like emotional. And so you're just like listening to the music and looking at the beauty of the world and stuff. Um, and it's really, really well done and a very sweet moment. I'm not going to lie. This is almost where it choked me up. Oh, being able to Because see as somebody time. who can't see, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I remember the first time, like my very first pair of glasses mm-hmm. that I put on. And, like, I genuinely remember putting them on, like, right as I'm walking outside and then looking at my grandmother and just being like, oh, my God, the ground has texture. Oh. And so, like, this was that moment of, like, so this is glasses. And so seeing her and then, like, seeing Suika, like, start crying, like, it started choking me up. Yeah. I, I could just genuinely relate with, like, how powerful of a moment that that was. It is just, ah, oh, is is so good, but it yeah. choked me up so hard. Yeah, see, I didn't really have that moment because although I'm also a glasses ra- wearer, um, I'm A, farsighted, and B, I wasn't farsighted until around 12. So distances have never been, like, a thing for me. And, like, I can, I could see up close for a really long time. Now distances are becoming more of an issue. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but, like, I, I had 20-20 vision up until I was around 12, 13 years old. So, um, yeah, I'd never really had that moment of, I can see. See, I feel like I basically, like, went to bed one day and woke up blind as a fucking bat. <laughs> Because I, like, I remember going into school in, I think, sixth grade mm-hmm. and, like, sitting in the back row and just been like, I can't read. <laughs> yeah, I always had the issue of not being able to read my textbooks as soon as I hit middle school. We have much more in common than we think. Mm, yeah, yeah. I got my first pair of glasses when I was 13 and then I had them till I was 15 and then I got my second pair of glasses, which I have to this day which are so not my prescription anymore. Um, <laughs> and my dad's an optician. <laughs> oh, God, that's so bad. Get on it, Dad. <laughs> uh, get on it, me. I need to book the appointment. But um, yeah, because I don't think I'm as farsighted anymore. I think I'm getting to be more nearsighted mm-hmm. because like, I can't see the distances that I used to be able to see. So I'm like, oh, geez. I'm extremely nearsighted, and it's starting to become a bother for me to watch your stream of the evenings, because once I go lay down, I take off my glasses, so my phone is like an inch from my face. Oh. So I can re-chat, or I'm just like, oh, I need to switch uh. back to contacts. <laughs> yeah, no, my glasses are like giant magnifying lenses, and yeah, they don't fit anymore. They don't, I can't see so well through them anymore. Um, But yeah, I could start a fire with them, which is fun. Um. <laughs> Hey, we we might learn about something like that. Oh yeah, we might. Yeah, because because uh, yeah. certain lenses you can't, but certain lenses you can, and my lenses yeah. are the ones where you can because I need them for reading because they magnify. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they stick the lenses into Suika's uh, watermelon. She can now see, and this is when we discover that Kinro is struggling with fighting because he also has the fuzzy eye sickness, but he won't tell anyone and he refuses to let Kinro tell anyone too because he feels like it's an excuse because his man pride is getting in the way. And rules are rules. And rules are rules. Yeah, no, he feels like it's it would be an excuse to use it. But I, I can understand why, because in his mind, it's not a 
like to us glasses is just not a big thing because like everyone wears them but in his mind when nobody's ever had glasses before it's seen as like a sickness as like a disease um and so if anyone knows about it they would assume that he's automatically weaker and so there's not this level of like because for us like we don't care anymore like if someone wears glasses like who cares but for them at this time period it's not like that it's like oh my god this is like so much of a big deal and so he feels like it's a real big excuse like oh i can't fight because i can't see um and so he he refuses to let anyone know about it. So I understand why he feels that way uh, and why he doesn't say anything. But it is just super frustrating because, like, there are problems that occur that could have been completely avoided if he had just said, oh, I have the fuzzy eye sickness too. Um, if only. You know? But anyway, they end up using the foam from burning obsidian to make insulation for the furnace. And then they attempt glass blowing, but fail miserably. So they kidnap the old craftsman from the village because uh, they used his lacquer earlier. And his name is Kasaki, but I'm just going to call him old man for the rest of the time because he's like the only elder in this show so far. Buff grandpa. <laughs> buff grandpa. He is buff. Um, and uh, yeah, he can't stand to sit there and watch them mold glass poorly. So he reveals his buffness by breaking the ropes of which he is bound. And masterclasses, those bitches, uh, to a rap track, no less. They backed it with a rap track. That's how you know. A lot of this show was backed with a rap track. And I was like, right? this is great. <laughs> Honestly, but like the the moment of him just like, Boof, I have giant muscles. I'm going to make a perfect glass, like, beaker right on my first try while there's, like, some badass rap backing track in the background. Like, it was such a cool moment of just being like, yeah, you got schooled. Did you, you got mad schooled. Did you get Food Wars vibes whenever he, like, busted his robe top? <laughs> I got Food Wars vibes from that and also from when they tried the ramen. Yeah. And the cotton candy. Oh, especially the cotton candy. The cotton candy the cotton was candy like hard. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Towards vibes. Yeah. Cotton candy comes later on for those of you who are thoroughly confused about why I just brought that up. But yeah, I actually put a note in my, um, uh, in my notes about the, the Food Wars vibe. So I feel like maybe there was some inspiration there from that, but the cotton candy big time. Oh, yeah. Um, acquired science lab. Um, this is all, the reason why I'm putting all of these acquired moments in is because, um, there's all these little, like, you know, when you're like playing Xbox and you get like a notification up that's like, and it's like, uh, achievement unlocked. It's like that, but it's acquired science lab, acquired this, um, throughout the show. So yeah, I, every time they put an acquired, I also noted it down in my book just to keep track with everything. All of this coming from a person who's never touched an Xbox in her life. That's true. <laughs> PC gamer for the win. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't think I've ever touched an Xbox. Like, genuinely. I'm trying to think. There may have been one time, but I don't know if it was an Xbox or a PS4. I'm just, I'm just sad. <laughs> <laughs> PC gamer, what can I say? Yeah, but you PC. don't get to enjoy things like The Last of Us. Do you know, I already enjoyed The Last of Us, just I waited a bit. Swiftly moving on. <laughs> Ginro persuades Kimro to ask Senku for a gold and silver spears because um, Kimro's like, I want my gold spear back. But Senku says, okay, but only a silver spear for Kimro. Um, and the mission could cost you his life. And Kimro, oh, poor Kimro. He was so sad. He was so sad that he wasn't going to get his gold spear back. Poor Kimro. Um, but yeah, that is the end of episode 11 is them discussing the mission that could cost them their life and the next thing that they need to do to get on the fast track to these antibiotics um, to help Ruri. Episode 12, Buddies Back to Back. 
uh, Senku says that he needs the silver spear to get the um, to get the maximum danger material that they need to acquire for the antibiotics. And Ginro is to be their bodyguard. Um, so they head to the hot springs, um, and uh, Senku gets Ginro to hold the spear out in front of him as a sensor. And if the tip of the spear turns black, they gotta run back or they'll be real dead, like extra dead. There are no fish in the river. Um, there are no fish in the river, the one that they're following upstream, um, just green liverwort. So they know they're in the right place. And Ginro is heckin' scared AF. Like he's like, he's supposed to be the bodyguard that's like detecting everything. And he's like behind everyone. Um, he's not happy. Um, and they end up finding a spring of emerald green water sunken into the top of the mountain. Ginro becomes hypnotized by its beauty. Senku explains that the toxic gases from the spring are heavier than air, so the spear is supposed to warn them if they encounter them on top of the water's surface. Silver reacts with the hydrogen hydrogen sulfide and turns black instantly. Ginro nearly walks too far into the spring because he's not paying attention because he's mystified by the goddess of the spring. And the spear turns black and then Kohaku pulls him back. Three crows aren't as lucky though, and they end up flying into the gases, dying and falling into the sulfuric acid pond and melting away. Time to make gas masks. Senku tries to uh, kick Chrome off of the sulfuric acid team so as not to risk the lives of both science dude, but Chrome refuses. Uh, he is not okay with helping him make a plan that makes it okay for his friend to die. Um, and even if it might just be a 0.1%, Chrome could increase his chances of survival. So they buddy back up again. And it's a real like, if you're in it to die, I'm in it to die. You can trust me with your life kind of bro moment. And it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. What can you say? I mean, it it definitely was cool. I I was like, oh, it's buddies. Oh, we're friends. Friendship, um, yay. And then... Because of that whole situation, Kohaku actually remembers a time when Ruri tried to tell her the hundred tales, but she refused because she didn't want to know about them because that could take away Ruri's reason for living and like kind of ruin her um, strength, you know, because like if she's the only one that knows these hundred tales and they must be passed on to the next generation, it gives her a purpose. Whereas if um, she would tell Kohaku, it can make her health take a turn for the worst. And um, that's when she decided that she was going to be rebellious AF um, to try and make it so that she couldn't become priestess after her sister passed. Um, And that's why her father ended up like disowning her from the family, as well as the fact that she beat up magma in in the bout and and all kinds of other stuff that she's done. (laughs) Poor Chrome and his inability to fight. I guess they were practicing, and I don't know why I put that, but, like, yeah. Oh, I know why. Uh, Because this is where um, Kohaku is in the tree, and she says, uh, she starts talking to Chrome and is like, I'm sorry that you can't marry Ruri. Maybe I could take her place. Uh, And he's like, I don't see you as a a girl. You're just a gorilla. Um, And then... (laughs) And then she that animation anytime that he calls her a gorilla, it's and so she just funny. gets like that giant head is like, oh. and he's like naked next to his pile of clothes, bowing down to like beg her forgiveness. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> um, 
And so they end up using activated charcoal and potassium carbonate to make the filter for the gas masks. Acquired gas masks. Oh, and by this way, by this time, the old man is like officially part of their team. He is too excited about the science that they are working on. And yeah, he is like big part of science team now. Ginro decides that he is not going to go with them because of the curse um, uh, of the the gases. Like, I, I mean, if you if you believe your whole life that anything sciencey is actually sorcerer's work and magic. I could totally understand why he is as terrified as he is. Uh, because to us, it's just like, oh, well, it's like, oh, it's so sulfuric acid and, and, you know, that's why. And hydrogen sulfide gas that it, like, we have a way to explain it in a way that we understand. But for him, who's never comprehended anything even close to this, I feel like um, I would be just as scared as he is, you know? Chrome is also scared when uh, Senku's just like, okay, well, let's test out these gas masks. Let's just walk right in. Um, and Chrome's like, how are you just going to walk right in? Aren't you, like, terrified? And then he notices that Senku is actually also shaking but putting on a brave face. And you get to see a little bit there of Senku being something other than an egotistical bit of a bastard. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit of emotions from Senku there. You only ever get, like, a tad of Senku emotion. You know, ne- He never expresses more than, like like 50% emotion. I don't even think he goes at full 50. <laughs> no. It's like a little bit of emotion, then logic. The only time I would say that he gets emotion is when, later on, when Ruri takes him to a specific place. I was honestly going to say episode 24, whenever they do the thing. Right. I feel, uh, even then, I don't, yeah, then, then and the previous time, because the only time that he ever expressed outward emotion i think would be the time where you see the fist clench and the other thing Mm -hmm. so yeah he's not very but then he's a very logical person and i feel like logical people don't outwardly express emotions as much as um more whimsical people Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it makes sense of this character um, all uh, the old craftsman decides it actually ends up persuading Ginro into going with the uh, fear is the basis of survival argument. Um, and uh, I'll just casually leave that gas mask there, and that I just so happen to make a third gas mask, you know. So I'll just casually leave that there. And if you so happen to feel like going after those two and helping them with their incredibly dangerous mission, you can do so. But you know, no pressure. It's you don't perfectly. Have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, And so that happened. And because of that, Gimro whips on that gas mask and heads on after the other two. Um, Senku's gas mask nearly gets a hole burnt through it, though, when the acid gets on the tube. And so Chrome goes to help, but the rocks from below him crumble and he nearly falls in. But Gimro, who has gone after them because of the old man's wise words, catches him with his spear and then he has strength that I didn't know he had to be able to hold on that spear over the sulfuric acid for a really long time. Um, because they end up having like a whole conversation about fear in this moment that like it takes up so much time rather than just whipping him back to the edge. He's like hanging, dangling over the water for like minutes. Um, uh, but he manages to overcome his fear in the end and pulls him back to land um, before he touches the sulfuric acid. Acquired sulfuric acid. Yata. And that is the end of episode 12 and where we are going to leave the uh, the episode discussion for today. Yeah, and also I don't feel right grading this. However, I will grade the OP and ED. Mm-hmm. I'll give him a 7. I'll give him a 7.5. Wow, 
you're giving them higher than I expected you to. Yeah, I don't know. Something about them is just... It's not my normal genre of music. It's not my normal my normal taste. I can't even speak. I've spoken so much right now, like my mouth is just destroyed. Um, <laughs> but something something about them was I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the concept of the show and that I was really enjoying the show. I definitely think how much you enjoy a show affects how much you enjoy an OP and an ED. Mm-hmm. Um, even if an OP or ED is really, 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 really good, if the show's crap, it ruins your vibe on the op and ed and i think because of how much i was enjoying the show i liked the op and ed more i disagree only because of domestic girlfriend show was an absolute <laughs> fucking dumpster fire i love that op okay then <laughs> it's well, such a good op but oh my god that's oh it's a dumpster fire but um yeah yeah I think... we knew this was going to be a long one but boy this is a long one. Oh yeah it it turned into a long one it's totally not 230 where i'm at nope not at all. No, no. Oh, jeez. So I'm glad we decided before we started recording to split this one into two. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're just kind of on my mind whenever you message me, like, "Hey, this is gonna be a long one," and I was like, "Yeah, we we might turn this one into two. Just we maybe. might turn this one into two. I think we could have happily turned this one into three, to be honest. Probably, but, you know. yeah. Like the way the show's <laughs> broken up, we probably could have turned it into a three part series. Right? Yeah. So. In the next part, we're going to be continuing on from episode 13, Masked Warrior. Um, we're going to be continuing on with the development of the antibiotic. We're going to be discussing the uh, grand bout. And we're going to be continuing on the story of the war between Tsukasa and Senku. So look forward to that in the next podcast episode. Yeah, and you can find the lovely Blue Lavender on Twitch every day except for Wednesday and Sunday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., Mount Standard Time. You can also find her on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM. And you can also find her adorable bean at the adorable Tilly Bean on Instagram as well, because that is a wholesome Instagram that everyone can bean. enjoy. It's the best Tilly Bean. The best Tilly Bean. <laughs> and you can find Brad over on Twitch uh, TV slash Brad Carter Gaming, and you can find him on Twitter um, at Brad Carter Gaming. Uh, no, you're not on Twitter, just on Instagram about Brad Carter Gaming. He's not on Twitter, but he is on Twitter at BNB Anime. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can find him on Instagram uh, at Brad Carter Gaming. You can also find his adorable cactus Instagram at the adorable prick. <laughs> at the adorable prick. Um, and you can also catch us both on Instagram and Twitter at BNB Anime. You can also uh, go onto the website um, at bnbanime.com um, to find uh, updates on our lives, our voice acting, our art projects, and um, our collection of previous episodes of the podcast. Yeah. And outside of that, I think that about covers it. So next week, you're going to have the second episode of dr stone and yeah i think that about wraps it up so thank you all so much for listening blue and i greatly appreciate it y'all are the best and we'll catch y'all next week bye-bye goodbye